Hey guys, Pat and Reese here from the Shred Shack. Thank you guys for downloading this episode of the podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out the Shred Shack's weekly radio show as well, recorded every Wednesday from WCWP in Brookville, New York. This week we've got new music from Grand Magus, Catatonia, and Caliban. Plus we've got live tracks from Metallica and Megadeth, as well as a social media spotlight on Jesse Kill and Wasteland Rocks. Plus, we listen to a man get punched in the groin a hundred times. Not all those times we're on air, but still, you get the general message. How are you nuts, by the way? I don't think that's any of your business, buddy. I'm not your buddy guy. Anyway, be sure to give us a like at facebook.com slash the shred check to follow what we're up to. Give this podcast a positive rating so we can keep putting out the best in nerdy heavy metal banter just for you guys. Thanks again, and welcome to the shred shack. Just look at him square. The shape of evil. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. Welcoming you to yet another installment of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Let's start, as always, with some old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. There is no old business. Nope. But let's talk about some different business. Pete's here! Yeah, yeah. Pete made a comeback. Finally. Don't call it one. <laughs> this, this, this is why I need to cue up those goddamn sounds. Hey, man, Dan, cue that clip. Don't call it a comeback! I have to write this down now. <laughs> Already putting me to work. <laughs> Future Dan, I apologize. Um, so we don't have any old business, but uh, before we go into new business, let me just play that new business clip right now. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. Before we go further into new business, we would like to say and point out that we got to over 600 likes on our Facebook page. Woo! Yep. Um, Facebook page is our central point for all things Shred Shack, aside from um, our stuff on YouTube. So this is how we determine whether or not we're doing well. So over 600, not exactly hitting my goal of 1,000 by the end of the year, it seems, but this is still... Sig- that's, that's, that's 100 this, new likes in a couple months. That's 100 new likes in about in about five, six months. So yeah, that's, that's, so. that's cool. It's, it's, it's good. Come on, 601 was our mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How awesome is that? <laughs> so, so thank you for those folks who in the last few um, few days, I'd say, um, uh, added a like to the page. I know that we got a couple from, from after the um, after the Hard Rock Rising show. We got an extra two or three, and then when we started pushing for – we all just kind of posted up on our Facebook pages. like, hey, people should like this shit. Then we ended up going up by like five or six. Yeah. So – we're at five ninety nine. One more person. Yeah. So I, we. What? I do find it funny that like your mom waited until we were at like about close to six hundred before she liked the page. It was like, well, I gotta see if these boys are actually doing what they say they're gonna do. Like, <laughs> I raise these kids; they're usually flakes. So we're <laughs> well, now that now that we're at six oh four, she's not gonna unlike. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you guys so curse you. too much. <laughs> what, mom? Man, fuck you. <laughs> um, but again, we do appreciate um, all the attention, the sharing, um, and all that good business. Uh, and we will continue to do this as long as. Actually, I'll, I'll quote The Simpsons: "We continue. We're going to continue to do it until the show is no longer profitable." You <laughs> <laughs> see that we don't make money anyway. It's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like we're doing it forever. We're so we're pretty much black. stuck at zero. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go on to uh, new business, and as always with new business, we talk about album releases, and Chris has like 10,000. 
at least it's not like that one where I had like 15 and we had to do the lightning round. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was out of control. Yeah, that was out of control. Things are a little bit more hectic now, so um, I'm gonna let you start since you have the most. Okay. Uh, and we're just gonna go. Pete, you can go second. So. All right. So first one I got up is uh, Combi Christ. Uh, this is where death begins. I got a feeling your lies have a meaning to you, and you're fighting it too. We gotta live this done with a fighting. I have no hope. Uh, it's the eighth record from the Agrotech Band. I never heard this term before, but uh, it's featuring Norwegian frontman Andy Laplega uh, in the studio, and then he has guest musicians when he plays live. Right. Um, when I was listening to this, actually we listened to this together mm-hmm. on Monday. Uh, I got a very orgy feeling, uh, not not uh, like orgy as in like the sexual. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I mean the band. No, orgy. We were working out the other day. I got his orgy his gym is too small for that. Yeah, so yeah, not it's too crowded. Yeah, plus it gets a little too. Warm. Anyway, um, <laughs> it already smells bad. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of metal mixed with some electro dance and industrial elements. Um, I wasn't sure how to really respond to it at first because I wasn't the biggest. A uh, fan of this type of music as a younger guy, uh, since it was, but it was kind of like you know Marilyn Manson and Ramstein light. Yeah, you know, um, listened to it once this week, but I think I need another one to really make a final judgment for myself. But if you're a fan of uh, having your metal with a little bit of electro beat and um, whatnot, I was I would recommend it. It's not it's not horrible. It just needs another listen to actually really appreciate it. I I wanted to listen to this one because I've heard the name Comic Christ for years. Yeah, I had no idea they were around for that long. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've I think this is like this may date back to like Tower Records days. Oh wow! So okay. this is this is as far as I've been hearing of them. But um, since we had it readily available to us on Skateboard, I wanted to listen to it, but I got caught up in listening to my one pick for the month, which I'll get to later. But I do intend to sit down and listen to this. I think I, you would I, probably. Enjoy I do it. like a lot of like le- like electronic and metal combined. Yeah, so yeah. That's... I think you would probably get a kick out of this one. Yeah, yeah. If you're definitely into like that kind of electro industrial kind of stuff, it's it's good. Yeah. I, I, I there was a couple songs that I, I thought were really great, but you're right. There's this, there's quite a bit that's very like derivative of like Orgy and Rammstein and like Marilyn Manson. Um, but yeah, overall pretty good. Cool. Alright. Uh, so for me, I got one this week. This is from a band called Sanctuary. Uh, they are a Quebec band, a black metal band. Quebec. <laughs> and this <laughs> like is. Uh, their EP called La Song sur Lassier, which is French, <laughs> oh, French. <laughs> for Blood on Steel, which wow. is pretty damn wow, cool. Wow, that sounds so mad. Please tell me, yeah, I was gonna say, tell me they're the French version of Man of War. <laughs> no, I, that, now I have to go find the French version of Man of War for next week. But uh, no, they, these guys are just pure black metal. Um, this is very much um, kind of depressive black metal with some pagan elements uh, featuring. Warlike kettle drums, according to the band's uh, webpage. Uh, kettle drum. <laughs> you can't lift. Well, you probably could lift. Them, but. <laughs> so, but it's lots of shredding guitar melodies over galloping drum beats, uh, interspersed with some deathly growls. It's pretty much the essence of modern black metal. Um, at just under about thirty minutes, it's a pretty damn good listen. Um, so I definitely recommend it. Oh, going back to me. Yeah. All right. Next up, I got Poverty's No Crime. Uh, the album's called Spiral of Fear. Oh, man, 
this is actually a traditional progressive hard rock band from Germany in the vein of like Yes and King Crimson. It's their seventh release, uh, and it's the first album since 2007, so it's been about nine years since these guys released anything. And this is like more of a throwback in my prog listening, as they are not like my instrument prog bands like Animals as Leaders or the genty mathematical bands like Periphery and Tesseract. They sound, they count, yeah. They sound kind of like what Opeth has been striving for for the last couple of records. There's great guitar lines, keyboard flourishes, and the vocals are really, really fucking good. Uh, and to be honest, I wasn't expecting something like this given the band name. I was thinking more political hardcore, you know. But it was a mighty fine surprise and certainly worth a listen. And it might just be featured in my top three for the month. It was, it was actually that good. Right on. There's another name that I've heard for a while, but I've never actually heard any of their stuff, so I want to... I want to check this one out. Yeah, it was it was good. I think you would like it. I, th- I think a lot of stuff that I listened to this week would be more up your alley, especially the next one I have coming up. Okay. Well, can't be any more up my alley than the one I picked for the <laughs> Then you actually listened to and sat down. And <laughs> because, man, shot. I was not expecting this. Um, Lucifer's Hammer, Beyond the Omens. I wholeheartedly believe that the members of this band listened to Iron Maiden from 1980 to 1984. They got frozen in time wow. and then chilled out just now. They got frozen somewhere in time? They, or, oh, or, or, wow. or, <laughs> That's how you should have said it. <laughs> or, or they were influenced by it, recorded an album, then got frozen in time, and then released it now. Because it's... Okay, there you are, a traditional heavy metal band from Chile. Uh, extremely you to say it like that. Chile. Chile. That's how you say it. That's <laughs> Is it really? That's in the country. It's not chili. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you American asshole. <laughs> Chile. They would tell you to get out of their country if you said that. <laughs> get out of this country if you said that way. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. But um, as I was saying, like <laughs> this is strong Iron Maiden uh, influence through and through. Um, harmonizing leads. That's that that um, galloping rhythm. Um, for pretty most of the tracks are just like that. Sound quality. It sounds like it was recorded in 1983. If you heard this and you were not told that it was recorded 2016, you wouldn't know. It sounds like the same sound quality as like Ride the Lightning, Kill 'Em All, older Slayer, um, Maiden's first album. Um, I described it essentially musically as a cross between Maiden's debut album and Power Slave. They kind of have a lot of the raw sound with a lot of technicality from Power Slave. Um, the only thing I wasn't particularly keen on with the band were uh, the vocals. There was a little bit more of that like like fuck it, it's metal, belt it out kind of thing but they could they could do a little bit better if they had um, a bit better of a singer. Mm-hmm. But overall the package is great and um, like I I recommend you guys just checking them out just because of the fact that they are just straight up a throwback. Well, that is like the name, Lucifer's Hammer. Yeah, it's a really good name. I think it's taken from a book title. More than likely, it sounds like something like that. But yeah, this this was... And even uh, certain tracks, um, tone-wise and uh, guitar-wise, they sounded like early 80s Scorpions. Oh yes. wow! Okay, yes, like like uh, love at first sting era scorpions. I was like, man, this sounds something strange. I'm actually really looking forward to when we see when we do the I saw a show segment today because Pete 
got to see the scorpions. Because last the fucking week. scorpions are awesome. They are. I yeah. Can't All right, let's hold off. Let's hold off. We're gonna get into that. Let's hold off. Let's hold off. All right. Um, so my next one would be uh, Four by Fate. The album is called Relentless. The debut album from new band featuring members of Fraley's Comet and Skid Row. All right, so we're talking classic melodic, uh, melodic hard rock through and through. Um, I don't really have much more to say about it than the fact that it was actually really good. And Dan, this is so you. It has you written all over it. I mean, I do like Fraley's Comet and Skid Row. I... It's the singer from Fraley's Comet. Okay. Okay. All right. So you got to imagine really good, powerful melodic hard rock vocals, just driving guitar riffs. Um, and riffs, we're talking like, you know, straight up riffs, nothing like technical about it, but I actually really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to, but I really did. So I would highly recommend, Dan, that you check this one out, because it could possibly be top three for you. Yeah, like this 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 week, like when we get done with your last yeah. few reviews, like this week was just really big, and there's a lot of stuff I wanted to check out but didn't get a chance to, which I'm going to do a shout out to a lot of that stuff. Um, unrelated to this... Um, Anybody heard anything about a band named Mudcrutch? Mudcrutch? No. Like, I've been seeing videos pop up from, like, three different YouTube accounts. I think it's, like, Tom Petty and Ace Fraley. What? That's <laughs> what it seems like in the video. I'm like... Wait, wait, I, wait, I, I wait, 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 Like, like Tom Petty and Ace Fraley playing together I think in a so. band. Well, you go into the next review, I'm going to look this up, because, like, I keep seeing videos, and the, the main person in the front looks like Tom Petty. This person on the side looks like Ace Fraley. So, like, I, I want to figure this one out because I have not seen anything about that no. anywhere well, you go onto your thing and I'm going to look because you know the only thing I've seen about Ace Fraley recently is because he just released his, his covers album yeah and there's nothing about him teaming up with fucking Tom Petty out of nowhere and most of my YouTube recommendations are black metal and video games so <laughs> I don't think that's going to show up for me alright next up I have the Schoenberg Automaton the album's called Apis or Apis This is what we were listening to in the gym on when were you at my house last time? Friday. Oh, when I almost like threw up on yeah. after the deadlift. Yeah, so I probably don't even remember it. Yeah, well, it's a it's their second full length uh, album from the Tech Prog Death Metal Band, and I have my acronym in here: HFTDM. Holy fuck, technical <laughs> death metal, and it's absolutely one hundred percent true. It's really good, fast, complex songs. Ferocious and calculating, and certainly worth a further uh, certainly worth a further listen. I'm really going to be going back and probably listening to that one today, nice. as a matter of fact, because it was really good. Um, so there's that one. And while Dan's still busy here, I'm just going to go to my last one. Um, I really listen. I really like this one. I listened to it yesterday. Nervosa, Agony. Second full-length album from Brazilian, quote, all-female thrash yeah. band. I heard um, about this one. They don't need the title. They are a full-bore, in-your-face thrash band regardless of gender. Yep. All right? They are incredible and worthy of any praise they get, again, despite gender. <laughs> they are a trio, but the guitar work is full-sounding and technical, lots of riffs and leads that can melt your face off. 
harsh vocals throughout, and you can barely tell it's a woman singing. So again, there's no need for the the full the, yeah. all, yeah. all female. They're, they are a, a incredible thrash band. Yeah. I, I think they got mentioned like on Metal Injection or Blabbermouth or something like that. And yeah, I mean they are not a gimmick. Yeah, like, they, they are. They are a thrash a band, legitimate and, like full bore thrash band. We, we, we mentioned them a few months ago. Yeah. We mentioned we probably mentioned that this album was coming out or or a tour was being or done something or like that. Yeah. But um, yeah. That it's an incredible fucking record. It fits right up there with all the stuff we've been listening to the last couple of months, like Ex Mortis, mm-hmm. uh, any other thrash bands that we've been listening to, and they would just fit in on any of the metal festivals that are going yeah. on right now. There's absolutely, they're great. I fucking love them. Okay, I, ha- I have my follow up. So the guy just happened to look like Ace Frehley. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> like I'm looking Ace Frehley now or Ace, Ace Frehley now? Okay. With, with, with the, like sunglasses and like you know the receding hairline. Okay, okay, okay. That's okay. what this guy looked like. But Mudcrutch is actually the band that Tom Petty had before he went solo and whatnot. Mudcrutch was his oh. like, the thing that got him to fame originally. And he just apparently got them all back together, re- released a new album for the band. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and they've, they've played at least two, three shows in this area. Because, again, I've seen a lot of live material showing up on the channels I follow. Hmm. So he's, wow. he's Tom Petty's the singer of this this particular band. Interesting. I was like, I was like I, I, please don't tell me there's just some random stringy white guy and I, I mistook him with Tom Petty. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible, though. Yeah. Okay, and you had your last one? That was it. No, the Varsa was the last one. The Varsa was the last one? Um, okay. Well, I wanted to listen to Dark Funeral. Um, but I think the files were bad when I downloaded them or something like that because yeah. it kept fucking up my iPod. I had to reset my iPod like three or four fucking times Balls. this week. So it was pissing me off. Uh, so that you said that was Dark Funeral you wanted to listen to? Yeah. Okay. Um, did you have any honorable mentions, Pete? Uh, no, honorable mentions. Okay. Um, I have a bunch because, like, again, this week was kind of big. Um, Candlemas released an EP. Oh yeah, and yeah, I heard, yeah, I heard yeah. a track from that. It sounded fucking amazing, so I need to go back and listen to that one. Um, talking about Dark Funeral, um, Hell Yeah's album came out. No, it's streaming in full. I was gonna give it a listen, but I said no. Unden exclamation point Is it really? Is it? Really, yeah, it's, I thought that was. A, I thought that was. Not, a that's joke. not a joke. That's how oh, it is. Oh my gosh. Um, one, two things that I want to I want to point out here. Um, one, there was something sort of news article earlier in the week uh, from one of the members of the band, and basically the headline was the guy saying that people don't want to listen to shit. And I was like, man, that is a bold statement coming from you. And it's a, it's a, it's a shame coming from the guy who said it, because I think it was uh, Maxwell, the guitarist, who mm. said it. He used to be a nothing face. Yeah. And that band is incredible. Mm. His new band. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it, it's like that whole like level of like, mediocre hard rock shit that's the crossover stuff that we've been talking about with Five Finger Death Punch and Disturbed and whatnot. Fake tough guy shit is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have three things. So number two is going to be um, you hear about the track, the cover song they did here. The Phil Collins with some dime tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, you could have used Dimebag's track for something better than that. Oh, well. And uh, uh, three, um, something else came out like yesterday or the day before that pretty much confirms that Mudvayne is done. Yeah, yeah, I saw that from Chad Gray, which yeah. is a shame because I'd much rather listen to Mudvayne any day. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one, uh, Urlande's new cover album came out. That's right. Um, the only thing I, I'm not keen on with Urlande's cover albums is, um, I don't know, like, it's, it's one of those things where you think, oh man, I would love this person to sing this song. And when they do, you're like, oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. I think it's because all all this, the ones I've listened to so far from it are just they're just too much like the original. Yeah, they're, there's they're, no they there's no much, spin on it. They are pretty much spot on. Um, like his his cover of "Live to Win" sounded just like a better version of Paul Stanley's song. Yeah, I actually prefer Paul Stanley's version, yeah. honestly. But like, I wanted to hear they cover "The Final Frontier" by Iron Maiden. Yeah, and I was like, I wanted to hear that, but it wasn't out yet. But he does stuff like like pretty much mostly on the nose, and I love his voice. But I mean, in the end, you're just kind of like, yeah, that's a cover. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. Um, but it's really funny if you if you go to one of his uh, the video on YouTube for Live to Win, someone's making fun of the fact that all of his videos are pretty much a camera following him around and him getting up close to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a fisheye lens or whatever. That's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's... all it is. And he makes the weirdest fucking faces too. It's hysterical. Yeah, check any of his videos out. It's fucking hysterical. Real quick, so wait, Dark Funeral is the album already on Skateboard? Yeah. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Where shadows forever rain. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, let me know if it works for you, because like I said, I downloaded it, I put it on my iPod, and right now I press play, and it skips through all the tracks without playing anything, and then stops, and I have to reset. Yeah, I'll, I'll take to, a look. Yeah, let's look at that. <clears throat> um, last one, one or two, uh, Melvin's. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a, this one is the, a lot of guest bassists on yeah, it, right? it's called Bases Loaded. Okay. Um, and also, apparently the Melvin's are now on uh, Mike Patton's label. Oh, okay. okay. Nice. So, that's always cool. Um, uh, a couple more things. Uh, Whitford, St. Holmes. Brad Whitford oh, Brad and Whitford Derek's, and Saint, and Derek St. Holmes. Yep, so they have a, another album out. Um, and two live albums came out. One was uh, D. Croups and oh. Sun, which would be your deal, which basically like probably like, you know, three discs long of just one note. Going <laughs> <laughs> they already released another one. That's awesome. Yeah, so that came out. Um, and it was last, like a full length or was it? Uh, it's. It looked like it didn't say anything about an EP, but it was alive something okay. or another. So it can't be an EP because that'd be like one song. Like you said, <laughs> yes. well, <laughs> it'd be like them getting ready to play a note. <laughs> We're just warming up. <laughs> <laughs> All you hear is just like the sound of the amplifier. I was going to say it's just the amplifier turning on. That would be the EP. <laughs> just plugged in. <laughs> the guitar is just sitting there, not doing anything. They recorded it. It's the most brutal album ever. <laughs> and last one um, that I can make mention of here, um, White Zombie. They just re-released um, their entire studio catalog. Right, um, the bo- the big box set that we've been talking about. Well, for a they while. they did they did the exact same thing a few years ago, mm-hmm. but apparently they were not pleased with the packaging and everything. Um, so everything that was on the box set, uh, let's uh, let's sleep in corpses lie, is on this box. Plus six songs. Okay. But um, I think you can get those extra songs digitally if you want to. Because like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't rebuy that box set. Right, just right, right. I right, had right, everything right. else. So mm-hmm. no point. But um, yeah, if if you have Let's Sleep in Corpses Lie, don't buy the new box set unless you, you're a crazy collector type person. And that's all I can talk about for right now because, again, big week. Didn't get through everything, but... The rest of the month is kind of chill. I was going to say, don't we have, we have a, I think the only thing that's coming out this month is Volbeat. Um, the Theater Equation, fuckface. <laughs> was that supposed to come out this week? 17th. 17th, it got pushed back a little bit? Uh, I don't know if it got pushed back. Right, I, I, I pre-ordered it anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But it's so. going to be that and uh, non-metal related, but Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, yeah, so that weekend when we record the podcast, just make room for massive... Daniel Erection, and we might have to do a whole podcast based on the theater equation. Track by track, singer by singer. 
yeah. <laughs> what? No. Right, and you so hear that's... me and Pete snoring in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we love this album, but Dan, stop talking. <laughs> I, usually I end up kind of going in circles. So Yes, you do. Well, <laughs> we do. You could just do like a three-hour Daniel Solo special. <laughs> like, like I'll just like the entire podcast I'm like here's my review on the theater equation I'll just play uh, everybody shut up I have an erection for about three hours <laughs> it would be our version of the Star Wars Christmas special if we did that. <laughs> you mean absolutely terrible <laughs> um, so aside from all this business what else have we been listening to this week who's first me you always right. have a long list. <laughs> I always do. Um, I could use a nap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so first up, I was listening to Mata because we featured them. Uh, well, we at least we recorded part of the uh, an intro for the live show, so I listened to them again. This is some Nine Inch Nails randomly. Grand Magus again, just because they're awesome. Our World Below because um, I finally written wrote out my uh, review of their new EP. And I put it on the Facebook page. You can check that out. It's a couple posts down. I think that got us a like or two. It, it, I think it did, yeah. And it almost reached had reached 400 people. Yeah. I was stoked about that. Yeah, it got, got, got shared a bunch. Eventually, there's going to be a website where that kind of thing can go. Well, we'll, we'll think about that, Eventually. I guess. Um, ironically enough, I listened to Machine Head before the new single came out. I was listening to the last album, Bloodstones and Diamonds, before the new single came out. Um, I watched the movie Adventureland the other night. Okay. I love that movie. It was really good. Have you been thoroughly enjoying having Netflix? Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you, months ago, you were like, now nah, we don't need Netflix. Now yeah, like, we oh. totally need Netflix now. <laughs> dude, Bob Ross is on Netflix, okay? Enough I said. I know. Uh, enough said. Uh, but anyway, because of Adventureland and because Lou Reed plays such a um, like you know background part in it, I listen to The Velvet Underground. <laughs> Speaking of background parts, what's your next one? <laughs> Metallica. Metallica. I listened to Master of Puppets the other night, and then Lode turned 20 on Saturday, June 4th. Oh. So I've been listening to that. Yeah, someone, I forget who it was, was trying to do some kind of uh, retrospective and make a case for why Lode was actually the best Metallica album. No, it and was their last great, great Metallica. I posted the article. It was from Metal oh, Hammer. Okay, it was Metal Hammer. It was okay. Metal Hammer. Oh. And it was, it was, Lode is the last great Metallica record. I, I thought it was like somebody legitimately tried to argue that it was the best Metallica album. I was that like, yeah. one hell of a stack. No, argument. no, it's, a, it's the last great Metallica okay. record. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I saw that before, before uh, you came over, so. Yeah. Uh, so, other than like, the stuff I'm going to be covering for my social media highlight and then the new release that I had, I've actually been trying to go back and listen to some stuff that um, I used to listen to like back when I was like in like early college, high school. Biscuit. No, <laughs> no. Even though I will say I, I will have to admit that yeah, it was new metal that got me into metal in the first place. Usually, but yeah. this is the, this you is know, it's just it's it is. This is yeah. the pre ABM years. Yeah, pre ABM. <laughs> no, actually, I was listening to uh, Bloodbound. I don't know if you guys have heard about this band, but they are. It's yeah. very much a power metal band. I mean, given all that we've been listening to with like Justice Kill and things like that, I mean, it's right up that alley. Um, really good stuff, especially their first album, which came out in 2005, Nosferatu, is really, really, really good. They actually just released, I think this year, a live album that is really well done, too. I caught that on Spotify, so I've listened to that. And also another band called uh, Ancient. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I have a, I have some of their cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, somewhere up there. Yeah, just some of the old stuff like uh, Night Visit era, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I went between like the social media highlight and um, the Lucifer's Hammer CD for the most part, but earlier in the week I listened to. Um, CKY infiltrators for rebuild. Oh, uh, it's, it's still good. God damn it! Um, and I listened to Voivod. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the album. I'm just gonna say it's Caters, Caters, Caters. It's the one that that first featured uh, Jason Newstead, I believe. Is it the or, only one that featured? No, Newstead? no. Sorry, there's two of them, and the self-titled one was the first one. Yeah. Then Caters came out. Um, but I have a couple of Voivod albums that I have never really gotten that familiar with them. Um, so I figured I'd start rectifying that a little bit. And um, I I did enjoy listening to this. It's just you know good straight up. Uh, don't, don't people like kind of categorize them as like like prog or thrash in a way? Almost, yeah. Because they don't they don't seem to venture much into e- either of those directions. It kind of seems a little bit more traditional. Yeah, I was going to say that I think they're they're kind of they're one of those veteran hard rock, uh, veteran like metal bands that have been around forever. Yeah. That people don't really know what to make of them because mm-hmm. they like I said they've been around forever so. At the time, they were probably ahead of the time. Now they're kind of like a retro band, but they're still, you know, amazing. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I, I enjoy what I heard there. I still have to check out a few more things from them. I I have their earliest album, so I should probably start there and then start piecing together everything in between. Yeah. So, um, but that's it for new business and new releases and other ongoings this week. Let's go on to some general news. Alright, Prophets of Rage is the new supergroup featuring the instrumental members of Rage Against the Machine alongside rappers Chuck D from Public Enemy and Be Real from Cypress Hill made its live debut on Tuesday, March 30, uh, May 31st at the Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood, California. Tickets went on sale Tuesday morning at the box office for $20 with all the proceeds from the show going to PATH, which is People Assisting the Homeless. Prophets played songs from all three bands, including Rage classics like Testify, Guerrilla Radio, and Bulls on Parade. Public Enemy tracks, um, My Uzi weighs a ton, and Prophets of Rage, from you know which the band gets its name. Uh, one of the band's original songs is called "The Party Is Over," which was reportedly dedicated to controversial Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. They've also made a second appearance, I think, uh, yesterday. I don't know. I didn't get to read the article, but it was. Early, it was posted earlier this, today. So, gotcha. uh, next one up, Alyssa White from Arch Enemy has teamed up with American Murder Song for a new bloody music film music film hybrid project. Alyssa stars as Pretty Lavinia Fisher, America's first female serial killer, stepping into the shoes of the historical outlaw who ran an infamous inn outside of Charleston. Uh, there she. Pr- purportedly lured, poisoned, and robbed wealthy patrons. That sounds interesting. Right? I saw pictures of it. She actually looks pretty, like, it's old-timey, so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. All right. Um, the Night Flight Orchestra, the band I've been jockeying for a long time, have officially signed with Nuclear Blast Records. Uh, and Nuclear Blast will release the band's upcoming album, which is due out next year, and which has been recorded at Handsome Hard Studio in uh, Sweden. Uh, they currently... The, the currently untitled CD follows the Night Flight Orchestra's two previous albums, uh, 2012's Internal Affairs and 2015's Skyline Whispers. I'm kind of surprised that they weren't signed to Nuclear Blast already. Considering that it's it's speed from... Uh, yeah, considering that Soilworks already signed to them. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but, hey, what do I know? But then again, it's an independent... Like, they're pretty much an independent band just doing whatever the fuck they want, so... But, but I mean, even, like... Like, all the stuff that, like... For lack of a better example, Aryan 
everything he does is through Inside Out. Right. So. Here's a random fun fact. Uh, not necessarily metal, but Breaking Benjamin frontman guitarist Ben uh, Burnley's suffers from severe aviophobia, which is the fear of flying. And as such, sailed a nine-day voyage across the Atlantic to get to Europe to play the band's overseas shows this month. Another fun thing is the alliteration in Breaking Benjamin, Ben Burnley. If <laughs> 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 you want a tongue twister. Wow. Um, this is a this first part of this report came out a couple days ago. Yeah. Uh, probably around Friday. But um, more than 40 people were injured when lightning struck the Rock and Ring Festival in Western Germany for the second straight year. Lightning struck the festival grounds in Mendi- Mendig in the state of... I'm not going to... Rhineland Falls. I'm pretty sure is how you say Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> Rhineland Falls. Yeah, that works. Uh, sometime after 8 p.m. Friday, June 3rd. The organizers confirmed that at least 42 festival goers were injured by the lightning and were transported to area hospitals, including eight people who sustained serious injuries. One person was successfully resuscitated at the scene, according to the German Red Cross. After the weather calmed down, performances resumed at about 9.45 p.m. As of this morning, Sunday, June 5th, um, after the storms continued into Saturday and injuries mounted up to about 80 people, the third and final day of the festival has been canceled. Black Sabbath was due to close out the show. Oh. Gives uh, Ozzy another day of rest. This <laughs> might need it. All right. Actually, that may, be not, that may not be so good. Ozzy with an extra day on hand, he's, he might go after them German lemons. <laughs> <laughs> watch out, away, keep watch away. out there, Fraulein. I was going to say, keep him away from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, and last bit of general news here, sixth, sixth have announced the impending departure of vocalist Justin Hill from their lineup and the in statement of his replacement Joe Rosser of Alias's fame. Uh, the split was amicable with Justin releasing a statement that said his production and mixing career was his top priority and that he couldn't commit to the new opportunities Sixth have been offered, including shows here in San Antonio later this summer. I mean, maybe when they got back together, they just kind of were like... Like, hey, one-off thing, but it did so well. Yeah, was, I was going to say, because yeah. they just released that EP. That, they released the EP, that was, they're doing the tour. Yeah. Like, this is, like, them coming out of hiatus. So maybe they weren't, maybe he wasn't expecting it to be as much as it I was. I think that's pretty much what it is, is that he, he he acknowledges that he can't put the commitment into the band the way it deserves. Yeah. So. And I guess that's it for general news. That is it for general news. Let's start talking about recording news. And I like this first bit, wow. even though I have everything. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Rhino, this is a record label. I had to put that in there because it just kind of went in without any kind of yes, explanation. We're not talking about like the Spider-Man villain. Yeah, um, <laughs> follows Dio through uh, the band's early years, and this is you know the band Dio featuring you know Ronnie James Dio uh, with a decade of Dio, 1983 to 1993, a new box set that brings together the group's first six studio albums, each one featuring newly remastered sound. It includes Holy Diver, The Last in Line, Sacred Heart, Dream Evil, Lock Up the Wolves, and Strange Highways. I have all those except Strange Highways. Uh, Rhino released two versions of A Decade of Dio, uh, first on CD and then on vinyl. What? <laughs> Both versions come housed in boxes featuring new artwork by Mark Sasso, who was responsible for many of the band's iconic covers. The CD set will debut on July 22nd for the list price of $34.98. Which is actually really fucking good for six yeah, records. I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, the vinyl incarnation of the set will be available on October fourth for 
Just under, literally just under $100. For the cost of a butt fight. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and comes with a, it comes with a mean, bonus 7-inch single. Okay, that's such a... I was going to say, like, that's actually not that bad. Okay. Like, On the first side is the 1983 version of Evil Eyes, which was originally released as the B-side to the Holy Diver single. In addition, this version is different from the one featured on the 1984 album, The Last in Line. Uh, the flip side features uh, Time to Burn, which was the only studio track featured on the otherwise live release Intermission from 1986. Again, I'm, I'm be, Yeah, I'm going to be getting that. <laughs> I don't have any of that on vinyl or anything, so... I, 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 I'm, I'm mad here, because like, this is... I, I, I mean, I have all the albums already. They're not—they're not adding too much special to it, so I can't really be like, "Oh crap, this thing." I think but, I think for for someone who doesn't know Dio, it's kind of like that Testament set that I got with the first five albums. This is kind of like the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's got pretty much most of what you need. Um, Strange Highways, I think, is where people kind of started falling out a little bit with Dio's material because, um, like, Strange Highways and Anger Machines are not were not well received uh, up until Magica. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that they even went as far as Strange Highways. Mm. Well, they did the, they, they did the, <laughs> they wanted to the do 10 the years. They had to do the decade. <laughs> it's like, oh, do we really need to include that one? Can't we just do like the, <laughs> like the, the seven years of deal? What if they had gone all the way up to Magica? They should just release an entire box set at this yeah. point. He doesn't have, like, overall he has, like, what, 10 studio albums? Mm-hmm. Just do the entire thing. They should. Yeah. I buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the last, oh, yeah. the last actual studio album he had was Master of the Moon, and that was over a decade ago. So you you don't you don't include the live stuff, just one solid box set, fifty sixty bucks, bam, you said. I'd buy it. You'd yeah, buy it. that I'd would be it. a good I, buy. I wouldn't because I have them all. But I mean, <laughs> if they release some special shit to it. Well, yeah. I, I just I just I just love the, the the complete studio recordings box sets. I mean, you miss out on some of the artwork, but you get all the albums. Like when I bought the Judas Priest complete studio recordings box set, that was. Awesome, because yeah. it included not only the the studio albums but also all their live shit up until Nosferatu, obviously. Yeah. Actually, not Nosferatu, Nostradamus, which it. actually was included in that because it was up until right before the a uh, couple years before they recorded Redeemer of Souls. Oh, okay. The, the the like I love when they release these kind of box sets. It's just for someone like me who goes out and buys as much as they fucking can, like. I, I, I feel like sometimes I miss out on it, but then the times that I do wait for one, it never comes. Yeah, like, I mean that's 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 the. That's a risk you take. Like, I, I held out on buying um, the last three Sabbath albums I needed for so long. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy the deluxe editions because deluxe editions are sweet. So They need to put it like in a shrine to Dio. Like, you know what I mean? Like The box is housed within some kind of unholy blood altar or something <laughs> no, like I, that. I, like, I want them to do like kind of like they did with, um, with Iron Maiden's uh, studio release. Uh, box that I did a few years ago where they have like a rubber um, Eddie face over yeah. I want them to have like a fucking rubberized dragon <laughs> you just like like there's a little sword as, uh, as a scissor and you open it up and then bam CDs <laughs> make yeah. that happen and heavy metal rainbows <laughs> alright next up Deep Purple have finished tracking their new album the band's keyboardist Don Airy said in a phone interview with Tass ahead of the band's concert in Russia He's quoted as saying, as far as I know, it's all recorded, and now it's on the tender mercies of Bob Ezrin. Um, he's going to do the mix. Uh, I haven't been given a release date. I know nothing about that as yet. If I knew, I'd tell you, but I don't. They don't t- <laughs> we they, do they, stuff. We're just a keyboardist. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know nothing. Uh, I walked into a studio one day, walked out, I was done. <laughs> <laughs> now all I'm thinking about is Hot Foot. Nobody tells me nothing. 
I thought that um, Bob Ezrin was retired. No, he's been producing stuff for a while, like uh, the last couple of years. Has he? Didn't he just do? He did. He did. He did. Alice Cooper's newest one. I think he was. Re- I, I feel like he was retired and then came out of retirement to do that album with Alice Cooper. I, th- I think he's been he's been working pretty steadily. I think. Yeah, I I, I thought he just like took a lot of time off. Yeah. I mean, do you actually ever really retire? I mean, as far as like being in the studio and whatnot, you, you never have to retire. You can do that until the day you fucking die. Yeah. So until you you know lose your hearing, then you can't mix shit. Anyway, next up, Machine Head released a brand new single titled "Is There Anybody Out There" on uh, June third, so this past uh, Friday. The song is about love, loneliness, racism, and not getting what is going on in the in the world today. Says Rob Flynn, it's very much about current events but applies to a bigger picture and apparently also features some lyrics aimed at Phil Anselmo's white power incident from earlier this year, which has been confirmed by Flynn. The song is available digitally for purchase on iTunes, Amazon, and Google play and also available on Spotify, Apple music, and all streaming services. Has anyone listened to the song? No, just, just Pat, which I have to say, uh, no, I don't like it. Uh, He, he, his, his initial response was, is this like supercharger? It's pretty bad. You know, probably in context with a, of a with a whole album, it might not be that bad. But on its own, it's a it it's bad. <laughs> okay. I don't like it. Like what? What does it sound like? It sounds new metal. Ah. It yeah. sounds so new metal. It's not even funny. Well, when you're when you're letting out that hate, sometimes that's what kind of dumbs down to. So. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. the verses sound kind of like like he's rapping or trying to. Isn't that what he did originally, like early on in Machine Head, with I, the new I, metal days? Is, uh, it, I don't know. And from going from Bloodstone and Diamonds to that track, like in my listening, it's just like, no, yeah. bad, bad Rob Flynn, bad. <laughs> <laughs> just stop it. It's a bad Rob Flynn. You just sit there and hit him with a newspaper. Bad just Rob Flynn. Bad. Stop it. Just stop it. Anyway, Dragon Force are poised to release a comprehensive career spanning best of for the first time. All right, here we go. Killer Elite. Killer Elite, this is the name of it. The hits, the highs, the vids. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's scheduled for a July 23rd release through Spine Farm Records and will be a 22-track set, two hours and 30 minutes of music featuring both studio and live material with promo clips added to the deluxe set. Please let me have this obvious joke. Is it two hours and thirty minutes of through the fires and flames? <laughs> I was going to say it's just two hours and thirty. It's going to be two hours and twenty-two minutes of solo, <laughs> and then there's going to be some singing. Just so you know, the band also has set to work on the follow-up to Maximum Overdrive at Fascination Street Studios in Sweden with producer Jens Borg- Bogren. Uh, this new record is tentatively scheduled for a mid-March 2017 release with a world tour to follow. Uh, man, there's Dragon else. Force has more than one song, apparently. They, they, they have some, they that have that some first stuff. record, I really like. The liked. last album was okay, too. Yeah. I will say. I like uh, the first record. I, I, I like their stuff, so... Um, it's, it's... They're just funny. <laughs> you know, when you, when you look at an artist and say, oh, man, all this stuff sounds the same? No, this stuff all sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's no exaggeration on that one. Yeah. yeah. So, but... I mean, that, that, that's yeah. cool. Anyway... Epica have set the holographic principle as the title of their seventh studio album due on October 1st via Nuclear Blast. This band's album titles bewilder me. They what? They bewilder me. Bewilder you. Because they're just such like the quantum enigma. 
You know, they have all these like these these crazy titles. I love they make them all. me think it's bad. No, I, I I love the titles where they're just like they are kind of nonsense. Yeah. Like, they kind of sound like the titles of like Christopher Nolan films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Prestige, Batman Begins. <laughs> I'm not gonna do the Bane thing right now. <laughs> On to the next thing. Immortal. Yes. <laughs> Now consisting of just the lyricist, guitarist, that guy, and drummer, the other guy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> they have completed the writing process for their ninth full-length studio album. It's Demon As and Horg is okay. what he okay. did not want to say. No, okay. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> okay. Uh, comments the band. This will be our darkest and coldest album in a long time. Pure... <laughs> Peter? Blashirk. Blashirk? Is that really? Okay. Metal, <laughs> the way our fans know it, with ma- massive, majestic riffs, grim, frostbitten vocals, and tales from our mighty realm. Who wrote this metal? No, it was Demon no, Ass, man. Come on. This, this is how this is. This how, is serious business, you right. guys. <laughs> Fast and Furious tracks, epic tracks, and longer playtime than any of our previous albums. Uh, Demon Ass is now only is now also handling the vocals for Immortal following the 2014 split with Abath. Or Abath. Yes, Class. thank you. <laughs> so yeah, Pete's hard on. I don't know. I I don't know because I mean I know that Demonaz like vocally can probably handle it. I just don't know if like what's gonna sound like at this point. So when they do albums like this, seeing that he's the lyricist and the guitarist, and there's the drummer, do they get like session musicians to do the 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 rest of the mm-hmm. music? They do. I think so. Okay. I, I mean, curious. it really like if I remember right. You, you can really tell that it's just like one guitar, one bass, like you know what I mean, and that's it. So they may not even need it, but I know they have used like session musicians in the past. Okay. All right, Mushuga will release the ultimate collector's piece, copy and paste the Twenty Five Years of Musical Deviance box set on July twenty ninth, two thousand sixteen, via Nuclear Blast, who's having a banner year right now. The set is limited to one thousand units worldwide. Only 585 will be available in the U.S. exclusively via the Nuclear Blast web shop. The 25 Years of Musical Deviance box set will include an outer case with 3D cover art, slip mat with exclusive design, oh, yeah, okay, 100-page hardcover book with lyrics and previously unreleased photos, Blu-ray with all music videos and previously unreleased studio footage, 17 ultra-clear 180-gram 12-inch vinyl featuring brand-new artwork. What this is is it's an entire is their entire discography on okay. vinyl. I was gonna say like, there's nothing in here that says what it is. It's just it's their entire discography on vinyl. Yeah, and some of them are are doubles. Um, some of them are just singles. So this I that's why they said there's 17 vinyls coming with this with this wow. thing. It's a humongous set. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I was I didn't want to list the whole thing that was going to be available on it because it was just too massive. Yeah, but it's. It's ridiculous. I wish that they had like put up a more ridiculous number for how many were going to be available in the U.S. Five hundred eighty-four point two. Some of you only get like a handful of the vinyls, I'm, and then the other handful, you guys have to get together and kind of like mix match. I've never understood that. It's like that's when our machine stops at five hundred eighty-five. <laughs> <laughs> especially because like so, but. 585 available in the U.S., but, like, you know, there is international shopping. We can order things online. 
So why is this like so exclusive? Like, wasn't it just a thousand copies total well, forever? Maybe, maybe if you maybe if you're buying from like the Euro Shop in the U.S., like they, you put in your address, like no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, that's how it works. Sometimes, like they will be like, no, fuck you, like you can't have this one because we know they know that we, we wow Americans, burn. Yeah, they know that we Americans are greedy and we want all our shit to so sell it for higher prices. <laughs> some places are dicks. Wow. Okay. Well, last bit of news here. Faith No More's debut, We Care A Lot, which was initially released in 1985 and has been out of print for 20 years, sees an August 19th reissue via Bill Gould's uh, oh, cool, 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 Arrow? Arrow. cool Arrow Records. You know, we, we reported on this a few months ago, and I actually went looking last week, like, did it come out yet? And then nothing. And now this shows up. All right. The original 10-song album remastered by uh, Mayor Applebaum via, uh, via the original reels is enhanced with nine bonus tracks, including demo versions taken from the original eight-track tapes of Greed, <laughs> Mark Bowen, uh, Arabian Disco, and Intro, live versions of The Jungle and New Beginnings, and new mixes via Matt Wallace of We Care A Lot, Pills For Breakfast, and As The Worm Turns. Liner notes from keyboard player Rodney Roddy Bottom and behind-the-scenes photos would be included with the physical release. I'm really excited for this because this is the last Faith No More album that I need. So and There it is. Like, yeah. Excite bike all over the place. <laughs> Look at you make a game reference. <laughs> That's as far as I go. Okay? Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. you're, if you're playing of Lego Lord of the Rings, is any indication? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Why can't I jump on this thing? <laughs> it was terrible. Okay. <laughs> Have you published that yet? No, I, oh. I have it on my computer. Oh my gosh, it's brutal. <laughs> we were <laughs> quick aside. We were doing um, the first date of the game, which is you are um, Elrond and the Steel Door going up to Mount Doom to throw the ring in. This is like the the prologue, and we're trying to jump over a thing of lava <laughs> for like a full minute. He's like, "Damn it! Damn it! Damn it!" <laughs> well, I am not a video game player at all. And when they added like when they added like levels of dimension, <laughs> not going just side to side but forward and backward, I was fucked. <laughs> that and the split screen thing really yeah, screwed me. Well, that, that gets me screwed. too. Yeah, that was I mean, that was because because when we're in the screen together, it's it's single screen, and then when we split off into two different directions, it automatically goes to split screen. Sometimes I was on the right. And sometimes I was on the left. Yeah, yeah that, and that, I had that no was, idea who I was. That was a bit silly. That's something that just doesn't work well in modern gaming. I feel like that's, it that's was it was ridiculous. Meanwhile, I'm going around um, going around Shire. With, you know, I'm the son of the king, bitch. Start <laughs> <laughs> slapping people. He really was just literally bitch slapping people for like no reason. That's how I roll. All right, on to touring news. <laughs> Name Strider, son of the king, bitch. I'm the son of the king, bitch. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> Uh, I've got some touring news. All right. Lacuna Coil will embark on a European headlining tour in October that will go through the early part of December, and there is no word on support acts as of yet. The rescheduled uh, dates for ACDC's North American tour, which will be the band's first concerts here in America with Guns N' Roses frontman Axl Rose on lead vocals, have been announced. The group will kick things off at Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina on August 27th just five days after Rose completes his summer stadium run with Guns N' Roses. He's a busy man. He is a busy dude. And so far, there's been absolutely no reports of anything horrible happening. I um, I saw a brief clip of um, one of the reunion shows for Guns N' Roses. And uh, 
he didn't sound too spectacular. I guess I gotta hear like a better quality thing, but I was just like, I mean, he doesn't sound like shit, but he doesn't sound good. So, I mean, I guess it's more so like the, yay, it's actually happening. Yeah. <laughs> the world is not coming to an end. Well, I don't know. It's rock ham ring in Germany. Well, well. <laughs> that shit's fucked. <laughs> That's just Germany. All right, follow me. A 2015 sellout, Louder Than Life, which is a uh, festival, returns to Champions Park near downtown Louisville on October 1st and 2nd in 2016 for the third annual Destination Festival celebrating the region's cultural, culture and cuisine uh, and featuring award-winning bourbons and spirits, gourmet man food, craft beer, and some of the biggest names in rock music. This sounds like the best days ever. And it's happening it's, around my birthday. Let's do it. It sounds like that, that Houston festival that I was talking about, the new one that's coming around. Anyway... The daily music lineup for Louder Than Life is as follows. Saturday, October 1st, Event Sevenfold, Slayer, The Cult, The Pretty Reckless, Pierce the Veil, Cheap Trick, Chevy Metal, Anthrax, Motionless in White, Hell Yeah, Sick Puppies, The Amity Affliction, Avatar, and more. Uh, seriously, if if Chevy Metal is not Chevy Chase's metal band, I'm going to be very upset. I think Chevy Metal is a cover band featuring, I think, like, Foo Fighters, guys from Foo Fighters. and uh, I stamp on my statement. <laughs> oh, okay. Well then, Sunday, Dan's birthday, October 2nd, features Slipknot, Disturbed, Corn, Ghost, Alter Bridge, Clutch, Biffy Clyro, Pop Evil, Skillet, Seven Dust, Zack Sabbath, Parkway Drive, Trivium, King, Skindred, Sabaton, and more. Right, that's The second day sounds pretty pretty badass. I was going to say the second day sounds a lot like really awesome yeah just just get rid of disturb <laughs> oh you know <laughs> hey pete how was disturb <laughs> disturb for that show too they were the headline <laughs> uh, yeah well pete wouldn't know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll get pete to that one some went down <laughs> hey um, yeah we'll talk about it <laughs> All right, Metal Allegiance, we all know that all-star metal band consisting of a rotating cast of musicians will perform at the UK's Bloodstock Open Air Festival on August 14th, but before they leave the US, they will put on a very special warm-up concert. The night will include the band playing their Bloodstock set list as well as pay tribute to 2016 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees Deep Purple by performing their classic Made in Japan live album in its entirety. For this special night, the band will consist of Mark Asiega, Asiega, I'm sorry, from uh, Death Angel, Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses, formerly of Guns N' Roses, Alex Skolnick from Testament, and Mark Mangi. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, it looks like it. Okay. So that sounds pretty awesome. Awesome tour not coming to the U.S. Sabaton have announced the first dates for their massive European 2017 tour. The band's biggest tour to date, quote, the last tour, that's because it's as the uh, it's not their last tour. I think their their new album coming out is the last something or other. I forget what it's called, but that has to do with it. It's scheduled to kick off on January seventh in Oberhausen, Germany. Very special guests are except. That is awesome. Like, yeah. Um, what I would love is like if the band were just kind of traveling and playing like a traveling show on top of a tank. Like they just travel across, <laughs> like like they did that spin class. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but I mean, like they, they like they just set up their stuff on top of there and they just play for hours and hours and hours, <laughs> trudging across Europe. That would be funny. That would be awesome. And that would be so something they would do too. <laughs> Another awesome tour not coming to the U.S. is Meshuggah have announced a U.K. Ireland tour for January 2017. 
Uh, the band will be out touring in support of their as yet untitled new album, which Nuclear Blast currently have scheduled for a fall 2016 release. Awesome tour, not awesome tour coming to North America, but not Texas. Skeleton Witch will primarily primarily be playing Canada as part of their No Sleep Till Vancouver tour. Uh, gee, I wonder why they're just playing Canada if it's not called that. Uh, which will commence on August second. The band's new EP, The Apothic Gloom, is headed for an August 19th release through uh, Prosthetic. Word. Friends of the Shred Shack's Sworn Enemy will be performing their 2003 album As Real As It Gets in full at the Webster Hall in New York City on June 10th. So, you know, get on that, Pat. Great. <coughs> the Oblivious the Ob- I think... I believe it's scars. Okay? <laughs> you got him nodding his head like good. <laughs> good job. He's my he's my uh, phonetics checker here. I guess uh, have announced a summer North American headlining run <laughs> with support from Black Crown Initiated and Starkill. Um, also attached to this, I saw that my number one from I think it was January. Disona yeah. is attached to a couple of these shows here as well. Uh, but there is a San Antonio date on August sixth at the Rock Box. Yeah, Rock nice. Box. Here we go. All right. Holy one. Grail, Ex Mortis, and Spellcaster will unite for the Fellowship of the Strings tour. Oh, uh, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Don't ruin this. <laughs> <laughs> Which will run across the U.S. from July 12th to August 6th. Date for the trek will be announced in the weeks to come. Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. Hopefully they, they finish up the tour like right like here in San Antonio because then August 8th I think is the periphery show that I want to go to. Oh, nice. Which actually has 6th involved with that too so I think we should all catch that one. Yeah. Anyway, Speaking Udo... of shows that we're all going to catch. Yes. Gonna Udo Dirk Schneider <laughs> will embark on a North American tour in January 2017 during which he will perform Accept Songs one last time before he closes the chapter for good. There is a San Antonio date on January 27th at the Alamo City Music Hall. Um, I have heard... <laughs> That um, Seance may be opening up for either Seance or Bifist. Either one of them would be fantastic. Yeah. Yes. So, because I got to speak to um, Najavara the other day from from Seance, um, and he was telling me about that. Cool. Nice. Awesome. And that and that that Fellowship of the Strings tour That's, definitely want to catch that. I'd love no. to catch no. since, since I missed Ex Mortis when they opened up for Dude, uh, yeah, and you need to Mar- see Mar- Mar- Holy so shit. I need to see that. Um. Last bit of Tory news here. The first two weeks of Slipknot's North America tour with Marilyn Manson have been postponed after Corey Taylor was forced to undergo, quote, an unplanned spinal oh, surgery. God. The trek will now begin on June 28th in Nashville, Tennessee. Rescheduled dates to come. Spinal surgery is never good. Yeah, apparently he had basically a broken neck. How did that happen? Uh, have you seen him play? <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, uh, I wouldn't. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it at all. But he probably he probably injured it some other way. But um, still, I mean, considering how intense he does get during a Slipknot show, it probably required this kind of surgery before he went any further in, yeah. to, into touring. So that's it for uh, touring news. That's it for touring news. Yeah. So let's go on to some heavy metal on the charts. And um, you know, the last few weeks haven't been anything particularly spectacular. Oh, we got. I, I actually glanced through this real quick, and I think there's a little bit of changes here that might are that are pretty cool. First off, number six, Eric Clapton released a new album. It's called "I Still Do." All right, and it okay, debuts yeah. at number six. Actually, I, I knew that that had come out because I, I 
target. So, speaking of new albums from older artists, Bob Dylan yeah, released it. Fallen Angels. Is that a new album or is that a greatest hits? That's or probably a new album. He, okay. he, he seems to release a new album once every year or two, despite what people want. Okay, well, that debuted at number seven. Damn. And it seemed that I didn't have no idea who these guys were until you mentioned them. Mud Crutch. They have a new album out. Yep. Album's called Number Two. It debuted at number ten. Wow. So yeah. we got old. There's some old, old motherfuckers. motherfuckers. <laughs> Speaking of old motherfuckers, Prince. The very best of Prince at number twelve. All right, now we're gonna get into a little bit of the shit. Um, issues. Um, I remember. I think I tried to listen to like one or two of their tracks and did not like them. But they debuted at number twenty with their new album. I thought you were gonna say that that Corn's album. I was issues. Say Korn's no, 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 no. The band is called Issues. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Disturbed and Moralized is climbing up the charts. They are at number twenty-five. A climb from number thirty-nine. No good reason for that. <laughs> Just pissing Pete off. <laughs> Purple Rain soundtracks at number 32 Radiohead's new album out is uh, number 36 uh, a fall from number 9 from last week oh Sayosin uh, released a new album last week I didn't have a chance to listen to uh, it's called Along the Shadow and it debuted at number 45 Pierce the Veil still up in the top 50 at number 48 These long silences. Yeah, I know. It's, it's plus, especially when my thing, my this is normally where you fill up the void with like Prince albums. <laughs> <laughs> What's Tiger Army? Do you... I know of them. I think they were like punkish. All right, because they 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 actually debuted new record at uh, number seventy five. I just had no idea who they are. I don't know if they're anything good. Prince Nightburn, uh nineteen ninety nine is at number seventy seven. Prince Ultimate is at number 79. Now you, you mentioned Prince. Fill that void. Bob Marley's greatest hit, <laughs> 83. Uh, Sick Puppies have a new album out called Fury, and that debuted at number 92. Just, you know, if you're curious. Queen's greatest hits, 1, 2, and 3, is at number 96. Mm-hmm. Apparently the Bare Naked Ladies are still a thing. What? Uh, is the Bare Naked Ladies... Uh, Rock Red Rocks, I think it's a live album, but that is a new record that debuted at 101. Corn, uh, not corn, there. Guns N' Roses' greatest hits is at 110. I was going to say, those are two drastically different bands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Come on. Do we have to punch your, your tablet thing? Though? I might have to, because it's not responding. Oh, there it goes. It fucked up. It died? No, it did not. It just had to, I had to reload the whole fucking page again. Okay, here we go. <laughs> scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Beatles 1 is at 120. You can edit this fucking <laughs> shit out of this one. This is terrible. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is at 121. That's the greatest hits record. Metallica, the Black Album is at 130. Oh, come on. Third Eye Blind. <laughs> <laughs> Did we discuss this last week? <laughs> and, we, and we bitched and moaned about it. 
That Guy Who Can Dance is Thriller is at 150. Red Hot Chili Peppers Greatest Hits at 151. Black and Blacks at 154. Prince, The Hits, The B-Sides at 155. We're getting too high up there. I'm starting to get worried about, about things. Santana, number four, is at 158. <sighs> Please. <laughs> Five-finger death punch. God, God. 163. There is no God. A little, bit of, <laughs> a little bit of a downslide from 159. <laughs> Very best, The Eagles at 166. Creedence Clearwater Revival, Greatest Hits at 168. The Eagles, another Greatest Hits one. Is at uh, 171. Nevermind is at 172. Blech. Scream <laughs> Bloody Gore by Death. The reissue is debuting at 174. Nice. Yes, sir. That's really That's good. A good one. Okay. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Rob Zombies, Electric Warlock, Acid, Witch, Satanic, Orgy Celebration. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> is at 183. Still up there on the top 200. Best of David Bowie is at 185. Five Finger Death Punch. God, what? The Wrong Fuck. Side of Heaven Volume 1 is at 186. <laughs> How is that still there? Catatonia, The Fall of Hearts, oh, the new release. I'm just happy they're in the top 200 at 188. So, you know. 6 a.m. Prayers for the Damned Volume 1 is at 192. Uh, let's see. One Republic. No. And just to round out rock in general is um, Elton John's Greatest Hits. One rounding out at 198. Crocodile rock, bitch. Yeah, don't you fucking forget it. Let's go watch Nomeo and Juliet. I love that movie, damn it. It's unnecessarily powerful. <laughs> I just love the fact that that's Hulk Hogan. Yes. That's so great. Well, you know something mean, Gene. When your lawn's getting too long. All right, hard rock albums. And we'll call it a day on the charts here. All right. Number one debut uh, is the Issues album. Number two is Pierce the Veil. Number three is Disturbed and Mortalized. Blech. Number four is Sick Puppies. Number five is Catatonia. Yeah. Number six, staying at number six, is Rob Zombie. Yeah. Number seven, 6 a.m., Prayers for the Damn Volume 1. Number eight, The Concrete Confessional by Hatebreed. Yeah. Number nine, Threat to Survival by Shinedown. Staying at number ten is Five Figure Death Punch. Oh, sorry. Gosh, I was yawning at the number eleven. <laughs> number 11 is Dystopia by Megadeth. Nice. Number 12 is Trust No One by Devil Driver. Number 13 is Gore by Deftones. 14 is The Black by Asking Alexandra. And Surprise Out of Nowhere for No Reason, besides them releasing a new EP very soon, is Ghost, Meliora. Rounding out top 15 hard rock albums. Awesome. Right on. All right, so this is the point of the show where, if applicable, we start talking about some concerts that we saw. Uh, Pete has been absent for two weeks, um, but last week, because the reason he was absent was for the River City Rock Fest. So you tell us how much of that you caught and how much yeah. of it was good. All right, so this is my second time going to the River City Rock Fest here in San Antonio. And uh, so this this year, I decided to go a little bit later. Uh, I got there around 4 o'clock because last year, I went the whole day, and I was fucking exhausted. I mean, it gets hot out there. This was no exception. It rained again uh, this year, so it was very muggy, very humid. But 
I did miss a couple bands that I kind of wish I kind of could have come back and, and ca- caught. Uh, Avatar went on at 12. They were the opening band, so there was really no way I was ever going to see them. But I wish I could have gotten to, to see them. I've heard really good things about this Swedish uh, sort of mellow groove metal band. The new album's good. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I don't know. I was really interested in checking them out. Uh, Double Driver, I didn't get to check out. Uh, which was probably like the only other band that I really wanted to see. The other bands that uh, I missed out on, I guess, were Hell Yeah, which no fucking way. <laughs> uh, s- hell no. Hell Dodge no. the bullet, that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, 6 a.m. played, which, I mean, I don't have anything really against 6 a.m., but um wasn't like super excited to see them or anything like that. So the first band that I got to catch uh, upon arriving there, um, Bullet for My Valentine. And they actually played a pretty solid set. Um, not a, the biggest bullet for my Valentine fan, um, but I mean the only song I really recognized from them was "Your Betrayal." But everything's not pretty good. I mean they actually put on pretty decent energy. I, I will give that to just about uh, any of the bands I did see. Um, they played with some great energy. They played with some great heart, and the crowd, as always, was just really into it. Um, I'll get into sort of my, I guess. Like overview of like how I felt about the the venue altogether after I get through all these bands, but um, but overall pretty okay set, pretty good. Right after that, I went to go check out Hatebreed, which is one that I was actually really excited to hear because Chris, you had mentioned I think them before on this podcast, reviewed them before. Um, I had never really been into them. I never really heard any of their albums, so I wanted to give them like just a try and see what they were like. And they put on one hell of oh, yeah. a spectacle. I mean, they like. We talk about bands that really enjoy uh, like crowd interaction and participation. These guys like work that crowd like no other. The pit oh. at that show was spectacular. Even though this was like on the second stage, the, it was phenomenal. Shout out to the big Mexican dude run, wearing only bicycle shorts and a cape. You own that mosh pit, dude. Um, <laughs> Bicycle shorts and a cape. I it, love it. It's only in San Antonio, only at the River City Rock Fest. Yeah, that would only work if he had a luchador mask on. No, he didn't. But it, it, but it, it still worked. He was very clearly drunk. But that was perfect. Well, you have to be drunk. You're wearing bicycle <laughs> uh, shorts and a fucking cape. Well, I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're wearing they're sober like that. But regardless. Uh, this so I'll try to look up the set list for Hate Breed. I don't think they published the entire thing on uh, setlist uh, FM, but um, what I do know that they played, they opened up with "Destroy Everything," uh, followed up with "Looking Down the Barrel Today." Uh, they played "Die Hard as They Come," "Honor Never Dies," and "I Will Be Heard." So those oh, are that song feature, yeah, no, it's like one of the most popular ones, right? Yeah, I think. it's it's one of the, the most popular ones, but man, that is. A crowd pleaser, to say the least. Yeah, I remember. I, did we see? Where did we see them? We saw them at um, was it the downtown? No, no we missed the downtown. No, I we heard saw them, we saw them at Terminal Five. Yes, they opened up they for, opened up for um, uh, Type, of uh, Type of Negative and whatnot. But I remember there was a a big to do. I think they played like one or two nights at the downtown, which is a small uh, venue that used to be on Long Island. And I heard that place damn near fell apart because the way the crowd was and the way the the pit is. And every time. Hatebre comes around, and you just want to see them because they're always so like. He's like a freaking like emotion like a, he is. A, a, what's it called? Motivational speaker, uh, but he's, he's yeah, shouting at he's, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, he he makes you get into the music. I mean, oh, sure. someone who oh, why is that going on? 
as someone who like never heard any of their songs really before, like I was like, wow, I feel like I'm like a lifelong fan just listening to this guy talk to the crowd, you know? Yeah, he like um, Jamie Johnson is a great, yeah. great front man. He has a lot of very positive things to say in his music. Very, very true. So right after that, um, Megadeth was slated to go on. I was actually kind of afraid that I'd actually missed the first uh, their opener because um, the way that they have it, at least on the schedule printout, was like. There was some bleed through from each band, like from one stage to the next, so that like it felt like one band as they were playing their last few songs, the other band was starting to go on. So I was worried that oh shit, you know, I didn't want to like leave the show like the, the Hate Breed set. But luckily, apparently, uh, Megadeth opened with Hangar 18, and that's right when I got there when they started playing that, and it was fucking phenomenal. Like I've never seen Megadeth either, um, and. I mean, they. I get that they probably don't have the energy of like when they were younger, obviously. But they've, they've they, never really been an energetic like live band. They're kind of like in their spots, and that's it. Well, that's yeah. good to know because like I couldn't tell. I mean, you could tell like Dave very visibly is getting up there in age, right? But they still play with a lot of heart. I mean, they played. They did all these songs justice. Let me go through the set list here. I have the full one. So it started off with Hanger eighteen. Into the Threat is Real, then the Sweating Bullets, She-Wolf, Post-American World, Trust, Fatal Illusion, Symphony of Destruction, Dystopia, P-Cells, and then closing out with Holy Wars. That's a really good mix of all the new stuff. It really, really was. Especially for like, um, they weren't headlines, so they didn't get the full like hour, hour and a half that they would normally play mm-hmm. on like their own set, but that's a really good mix it was, of songs. It was solid. I mean... I was I was just gonna say like they played like a, like they good tracks from the new album but all like the I think most of their really good classics you know and uh, you know the only downside I guess is you know Dave Mustaine can't really help himself when he has to make his political commentary uh-huh. and everything sometimes I wonder if like Elson just like in between songs goes up to Dave and is just like hey can you shut the fuck up like just for one song <laughs> like because I mean I don't know it but whatever like again it appeals to the crowd too but awesome show like they had like um as far as like set wise it was like a big like m- like metallic looking tube with like two screens on the side and then a, a bigger screen in the middle and they played uh just different videos like from like, that went along with like the lyrics, but also like the cartoons from Dystopia, like the, yeah. those video tracks too. So you had a, some good stage effects going on as well. How was the drumming? Because they, they, uh, they yeah, got so the soil work drummer the, the, now. How, what's his name? Dirk or something or other. Yeah, thank you for reminding me about that. So he keeps that thunderous sound that we heard on Dystopia still there, still pure. I mean, he did a fantastic job. Nice. Um, they they probably couldn't have picked a better drummer than him. He really preserved that sound that they've now cultivated on Dystopia. So, um, all in all, fantastic set from them. Really, that for me was probably worth the price of admission. But there's still a couple more bands here. Uh, right after that, I went to go hang out with some of my friends. Uh, but Pod took uh, the second stage. After right after that, I think. You know, I wasn't really into Pod when they were popular back in the 2000s. But from what I saw with them from what I heard you know they very clearly have a pretty sizable following here in San Antonio uh, the only songs I recognized were towards the end you know Alive and Youth of the Nation but you know what yeah they they played pretty solid too I mean they they didn't phone it in it was just 
it was their style of music. I, I, I wish that you guys could have listened to it because you probably could have given a more, I guess, objective observation of everything. But I thought it was pretty good. I thought um, I think I, I think I missed the, like, the first couple of songs, but I thought like what I, what I did catch sounded really good. Uh, but then I, right after them was Scorpions. Yeah. Sorry. Now I will say <laughs> you've been waiting like, for this the whole time. Like Scorpions, I thought looking at this whole lineup, right was just weird kind of out of place almost uh but then goddamn, did my mind change after watching them because to me they stole the show like they should have been the headlining band of this whole festival they are made to play these types of venues um fuck i get disturbed yeah f- fuck disturbed but uh <laughs> we'll get to that later um here's their set list uh so they start off with going out with a bang and to make it real uh, then to the zoo, coast to coast, and then I think it was like a medley of like Top of the Bill, Steam Rock Fever, Speedy's Coming, and Catch Your Train. Then they went to Rock and Roll Band, Dynamite, In the Line of Fire, Blackout, No One Like You, Big City Nights, and then a double encore of Still Loving You and Rock You Like a Hurricane. Like a lot of the first few tracks, like I. I'm not even personally familiar with. I was expecting a few different ones. I was hoping you were familiar with them because, like, yeah. I really didn't recognize any of these songs. Before. I mean, I mean, uh, I've never been like a Scorpions fan, but I did. Li- me and my dad used to listen to a lot of like the like the classic rock station here, like, which they played almost nothing but Scorpions. And yeah, I've never heard virtually most of these opening tracks. I mean, but maybe, they sounded fucking. Maybe great. just pulling some stuff like you know the skeletons in the closet kind of thing because they do have so much material. They do have a lot from, from like the '60s. In fact, <laughs> they've been around for like 50 years yeah. now at this point. I was gonna yeah. ask how old they are. Because because like they don't act their age at all, like these guys. Uh, like Rudolf Schenker, the like the main guitar player, was he like running around like crazy? All of them were. Yeah, all of them were nuts. Because when I saw them, uh, probably about thirteen years ago now, it was they. Um, it was it was Dio, Dio solo band, uh, Scorpions, and Deep Purple, and they. Oh my god! Uh, they were the most. They were awesome. They stole the show, as as they did for you. Yeah. But uh, like. They end up getting followed up by like Deep Purple, who are kind of fucking boring live. Yeah. But like these guys, they had so much energy. They came out. They played a lot of great tracks. I was expecting them to come out playing uh, "Coming Home," mm-hmm. which you know that's. I thought that was like a staple for them uh, as far as their intro, but uh, just the fact that they played those five bigger tracks at the end and not much else. Did they play. Did they say "Wind of Change"? No. Oh. In fact, I was asking. Like, about like I would have expected that. I was actually asking if they still played that live because I, I was fully expecting that as well. Yeah, so I mean, like that's that's kind of random set. It was, but it worked. It worked really well. And again, they had like on the stage several, you know, uh, big screen TVs playing like different um, weird little things that went along with their music. But I, you, you talked about their discography during the the end of the drum solo, like they displayed like all their albums and like there's a shit ton of them right? <laughs> yeah. you don't really think about but they have a fucking massive discography they've got at least 20 yeah like so that. that kind of explains why it's possible to know to not know any of these songs because i mean there's just so much material out there yeah. for them i'm still i'm still picking up parts of their discography just because there is so much yeah so. it was cool though because this was around a time that started to get dark and so when they did the double encore like when they weren't still loving you Everybody, of course, now that it's like the modern era, everyone has their fucking camera phones. But like, uh, so everyone had their camera phones out to that part, which I guess in the older days of metal, that would have been the part where everyone had the lighter. Right. Now everyone's recording the set. But 
still had the same kind of effect. It was like a very interesting kind of because I was actually further back in the crowd, so you could just see like this whole just array of camera phones and lights as they played their song, and it just is really cool to see that for a band that's been as around as long as they have been, and you know they can still play as good as they can. Um, it was a really great uh, set to be a part of. Um, for a band that was supposed to retire. Yeah, <laughs> right. Really, yeah. Um, and then you <laughs> and you followed up uh, right after that. Went into Seven Dust, right? Uh, and I caught a little bit of theirs again. I've never heard a lot of Seven Dust. I know they opened up with Denial. Oh, um, oh so God damn it, <laughs> like Chris, calm I've, down. This leather couch. So. <laughs> So some of these bands would have been like right up your guys' alley. God I held a little it. bit of them. I had to leave early after that. They played really well though. Like, uh, what's the the guy's uh, lead singer's name? Lejean. Like a lot like Hatebreed works the crowd really really oh, well. Man. I mean, he was getting the last really time I it. saw them. I think it was at Irving Plaza. Um, it was with Rachel. I don't know if you were there or not, but no. um, it was amazing because they. I don't know if they if they hadn't played in New York for a while, but he got all like emotional and he's like crying he, on stage. Well, he was like really like like heartfelt into this whole thing, and he just blew up that fucking stage. So, oh my, yeah, there is such a great live band. I can't even like they are. Like, can't even talk enough about them. Live. He didn't like cry, but he was definitely getting emotional. Like I, I feel like I don't know much about their history, but I, I, he made it seem like their band has just been really like downtrodden and ignored for a lot of stuff and stuff. The, the thing is, I think this seven does is kind of, they got mixed in with that whole new metal thing. Right. They got kind of like, the thing is they didn't, they weren't nearly as, they were a lot more melodic than the other bands. I mean, Slipknot blew up, um, Korn blew up all, the, but seven does always seem to have a lot more talent behind them. And they just, they just never got as popular as the other bands. I mean, they've had some really good hits, but nothing as as that level, and they just kind of got thrown to the wayside. You would think, but the thing is, they are a consistently awesome band. Yeah. Consistently awesome. They mm-hmm. don't, I don't. They may they may have had like one or two bad tracks, maybe some lackluster albums, but they are a solid rock band, a great live band, yeah. all the time. And I think he's absolutely right that they. They just kind of got forgotten about, and there's no reason for it. Yeah, I mean that's I, in between tracks, he would kind of do that kind of, I guess, speech, if you will, to the crowd. Like that's who they were, that's where they're coming from, but that they still kept on going. Um, so yeah, kind of like endearing into all that sort of heartfelt energy that they were giving out during their actual set. Unfortunately, I had to leave kind of right before the end of it because. You know, AT&T Center, they like to lock down fucking everything, like all the streets and stuff, and I wasn't about to, like, stick around for fucking Disturbed, because fuck Disturbed, that's my personal opinion, that's not the opinion of the Shred Shack editorial team, but, (laughs) um, like, so I wanted to get out before all that kind of happened, so missed the last couple of songs, did not catch Disturbed at all. In fact, a lot of people did. A lot of people left early that they could just were not sticking around. So I will give them credit there. <laughs> but you know, all in all, it was kind of a weird, a weird lineup. You know, you had Avatar, Six A.M., Hell Yeah, Scorpions, Megadeth, Seven Dust, P.O.D., uh, Hatebreed, Double Driver. So it's like this mix of like. Like San Antonio is a new metal city, right? It, it makes sense to have a few of these bands for like the nine nine five Kiss crowd. Then you have a few bands for the older crowd, 
and then maybe a couple of like like underground metal for like the metal snobs like us, right? Avatar. Avatar. So in a weird way it works. And I think it could only work in a place like San Antonio. Uh, even the guy from Hatebreed made a comment like like when he, when he first went, he was like, listen, I know this is like a weird lineup, but at the end of the day, we're all metal and we're all in this together. And it, yeah, you know, and it, it did. It worked. I mean, everybody had a fucking great time. It was a, a big success. Lots of fucking fun. Scorpions, like, obviously, like I said, stole the show, but all in all, I mean... I, I wish I could have caught like the earlier bands, but I'm sure they put on a great show too. Um, if you're in the San Antonio area, like around May, around Memorial Day, this is definitely one of those events that's worth checking out every year. It seems I was going to say, like. it seems like it's getting to be more and more popular and bigger and bigger every year. Yeah. I'm wondering if they're ever going to like expand to like two days. Like a Saturday, Sunday thing, like or a, Friday, like a Saturday. Real festival. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be really cool. Um, I'd almost would prefer that, honestly, like, and maybe start a little bit later. Um, I think that would work a lot. Now, better. when they do something like this at the ATT Center, is it inside the ATT Center no, or is it all in the it's parking lot? All in the parking lot. Um, so it's basically they have. I want to say it's it's at least three stages. I think they had a fourth stage here where it was just like one band only playing on that stage. So like you have like the main stage, obviously, which is the bigger one uh, near the actual center. Um, you have a secondary stage that's like supporting that. Then you have like a, like a tertiary stage, which is like just some local bands that'll play. And like I said, this year there was like a fourth stage where there's just some one band that I guess had rented it out or something, and it was just them playing uh, throughout the day. And then in the middle you have uh, like the vendors and all that kind of stuff. On the far side you'll have like the like the beer vendors and stuff like that. And then along the parking lot, people will be in their lawn chairs and things like you know camped out. Um, so yeah, I mean it. it it could. I mean, it could definitely become... I think there's enough space there <clears throat> for it to become, like, a, a place where people, like, maybe camp out in the parking lot or something, you know? Now, I don't know how much, like, the security at eighteen City Center would like to deal with that, but... Probably not at all. You know what I mean? But, but I'm just curious. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a camp out thing, either. It could just be, like, a two-day festival. Thing, yeah. I mean, San Antonio is becoming one of the top tourist towns in America yep. nowadays, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did decide to do that and, like, you know... The Riverwalk all of a sudden makes a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really I'm already looking forward to seeing who they book for next year because I would have never expected like Megadeth and Scorpions like that caught me completely off. Well, last year you that. saw uh, uh, Anthrax was there. Last An- yeah, year, right? Anthrax. It was Anthrax. Lincoln Park headlined. Then it was Anthrax. Who the hell? In Flames was there, which again, like that's kind of like an Avatar thing. Yeah, out of nowhere. Um, and there's a couple others that I just can't think of. Oh, um. Oh, what's her name? The she does blood. Oh, in this moment. In this moment, thank you. Played, yeah. So it seems like every year it seems to get like that new metal headliner to play to this crowd, and then like the old school thrash bands for the older guys and a couple of the unknowns. Yeah, that's how it is. It seems like a pretty good formula, actually. It works because uh, I think they've really nailed down the different types of demographics that exist in San Antonio. Honestly, I think that that's the greatest out. thing about San Antonio in general is that the. The culture here is very mixed. I think it has to do yeah. with the fact that it's a military town, which means a lot Absolutely. of people from a lot of Absolutely. different areas. Of course, there's the Hispanic influence from all the Mexicans and, and whatnot, and just that vibe, because we are so close to the border, I guess. But it just, it just feels like it's such a, a conglomerate of things that just it really 
plays well to just have a mixed bag of stuff going on. Yeah, all the I mean, time. I think that's why a band like say POD works, right? Yeah. Culturally speaking, and then you have a band like Hatebreed, who actually is pretty military friendly in a lot of their songs and lyrics. So they definitely are gonna do that. Even I would even say like partially that's why Megadeth works so well too, because mm-hmm. their lyrics are kind of conducive to that sort of military mentality. So yeah, all in all, it, it makes for a really great festival. Awesome. Cool. I would have liked to see the Scorpions. That's the two cents. Yeah, it's just saying. It sounds good. It's good. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to, honestly. That, yeah. that was well worth it. Yeah, they, they, they were a surprise for me, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago. And it's good to know that they're still as good as they Hell were. Yeah. That, you know, because yeah. they, they were pushing some old age last time. <laughs> they're pushing it now. Um, I went to go see the Hard Rock Rising show. Um, we had mentioned this, I think, last week or yes, we two did. weeks ago. Um, we were given more information by Forever Town after your yep. chance to catch them. Um, Hard Rock Rising um, was basically part of a, um, I don't know if it's local or regional, uh, it's basically a, a contest that's going on. Uh, it's like rock, rock local, win global. Um, I think bands from around here competed to then go on to a regional thing to eventually, hopefully get... Uh, X amount of dollars. Yeah, we mentioned it was like $50,000 and a and chance to perform in, in, in Spain. Yeah. Um, so this was like the finalist for our area at least. Um, and it came down to um, first up was Solitary Runaway, which we had not seen prior. Uh, you talked about I them. I talked about them, yeah. Um, I'll say like all three bands were different in their own way and this was the fun one. This is where these guys um, were... Energetic, just very, very happy to be there. They, they, they didn't seem like they cared if they won or not. They were just happy to be there and playing. Um, we got in a little bit late because um, we got to the venue six fifty. They were going on seven o'clock. We decided to kill some time, get some food, but we were close enough that we got to hear the first few tracks being played from up um, from like a store away. Um, so we missed like the first two or three songs. Came in and watched the rest of their set. And like I said, they were just fun. Like just very jolly kind of thing. Um, their their bass player actually just joined the band like last two weeks, um, and she looked like she was having the time of her life. Um, and, and actually, after the sh- after they had finished, she came up to us and asked like who we came to see, and I was like, well, we came to see everybody, you know. Mentioned that we're from the Shred Shack, and she had an idea of what I was saying because we had posted the social media thing. Uh, so we had a nice little conversation with her. Um, I actually swapped hats with the singer for a little while. <laughs> Wait, was it the top hat? Uh, my top hat, his fedora, and little kid came by. Uh, I don't know if he was related or whatever, but like he had like a ball cap on, so we're just kind of playing around. <laughs> so like, like I said, it we was... need a video of that. Yeah, yeah. Like said, he, he just came up to me, and like I couldn't quite understand what he was saying. But then this the hat swapping started. <laughs> but um. No, like their set was was fun, straight up. I wouldn't even say like necessarily to say that they were very punky. I know we were talking about that last time. Yeah, I think it was it was more like um, I wouldn't even want to say pop punk, but just a, like a punk attitude. Yeah, it kind of it kind of to like a rock line. and roll band. It treads the line between between like punk and rock. You know, um, it's not as like raw and abrasive as most punk. It's not poppy enough to be pop punk. Um, but it's just it's, it's kind of like Elvis Costello was considered punk in his time. Yeah. So let's 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 just say that. Yeah, it, it was just a good solid rock band, and like I said, they're just they're just up there having fun, 
and that's it. Uh, but I really, I really enjoyed catching them. I'm, I'm hoping we can catch them again sometime because you know you may enjoy seeing them live. So. I, I really, like, I really enjoyed listening to their stuff on the on, online. So I really like to see them live and with other bands like them. Yeah, in, in, in an actual full on setting, you know, um, because this was actually the Hard Rock Cafe on the Riverwalk, which I didn't think had would have a decent stage with decent sound, but like, I mean, you wouldn't expect a full-on band to go in there. You wouldn't want a pit breaking out in this place yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> but, I mean, it was... This, this stage was small but respectable, and um, the sound was really good. I had no problem hearing any of the three bands. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I would like to see them in their own element, not in a situation like this. So that's definitely something for us for the future. Um, next one that came up was Forever Town. Um, I also want to point out at this point that... Um, the show was supposed to go from 7 to 9. These guys all had quick turnaround. Probably about 15, 20 minute sets, and they were just all set up five minutes later. So Forever Town comes up, and in their, their get up. Told you. <laughs> which was, which I, I saw a picture of it, but I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> I was not ready for that. Um, this is more of the, the, showmanship side the flashy side because they were they were energetic but they had a little bit more of like the I don't want to say it like this but like the gimmicky side because obviously they had the whole get ups and everything um, but they're like cock rock like that. Uh, yeah. yeah I mean because they when we saw them I think you walked in Pete just as they were finishing yeah, up uh, a Motley Cruz cover mm-hmm. and that's who they remind me of a lot of the, yeah. with the makeup and the, and the get up and this their style of music <clears throat> reminds me very much of Motley Crue yeah, it's before the, it's, Girls 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 it's the 80's rock metal um, not particularly poppy or anything like that but it's just high energy lots of fun yeah so. and, it, and it was it was really good and um, the, the, the singer was addressing the crowd it was, it was engaging and everything um I mean, not much more I can say about it. I thought this theater was really good, and another th- another time where I want to catch them in their own element. I know I, I they played this past Friday, and I was planning. I even told the band I was going to show up to the show, but I just couldn't. I just too much stuff going on before yeah. the family leaves for vacation. Um, so I gotta keep up on them and make sure that if they play again real soon, gotta catch them again because I think they actually did play last night, Saturday night, uh, with Jessica at another show for uh, Giro's birthday. Oh, well, I I don't know. <laughs> but either way, uh, they seem to be uh, prolific as far as their shows go. So mm-hmm. there'll be many more chances for them for us to see them, and I will want to catch them in a again a, an actual more concert setting than just the Hard yeah. Rock Cafe. Um, but again, what I saw, I did like. Um, apparently, they were also giving out free T-shirts for them, which I missed. I was like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want a dude. T-shirt. I want a T-shirt. Swapping um, hats, swapping t-shirts, whatever. You know, it's all good. <laughs> Closing out the show was Broken Soul, who we saw back in January? January? Yeah. January we saw January. Archer Nation. Yeah. Hey. Uh, you were in the Archer shirt, yes. Um, so, Broken Soul, I already, we'd already seen them live, so I knew their sound. Um, when we saw them, they were a three-piece, right? No, they were a four-piece. They were a four-piece? Oh, I thought yeah. they were a three-piece. No, they were a four-piece. They okay, had two well, guitarists and you okay. know, well, there was something about this, I guess maybe it was the, again, the compactness of the venue or something, but they sounded heavy as hell. <laughs> like, just wow. Like, they were like, they're they, that good? They, like, they were, like, they were, you know, 
as good as I remember them being previously, but just in that venue being much closer than we were, like even though we weren't that far away from them. Even though we're the only people in the fucking venue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the sound was thick, heavy, and they rocked. Um, they didn't have like too much energy compared to the other, uh, the previous bands, but they made up for it in their just general sound. I think that that's this. There, there is their sound. I mean, they're very like Alice in Chains, almost on the verge of like just outside of doom hmm. you know kind of like vibe to them well this one like I, I was listening to it again like hearing how heavy their sound is live for this for this particular show I was like man I really want to hear what they're going to sound like in the studio and there's one song in particular I think it's called My Last Breath I think uh, that's the one that, I think that they had on like a competition actually that's probably the one that got them into the show yeah that song is fucking awesome and like when I heard it I was like shit this needs to be recorded like now because it's it's great, um, and it sounded fantastic at this show. Um, and again, with the venue being as it is surprisingly sounding good, they sounded good. Um, and I definitely want to catch these guys again. I, I want them to release something studio-wise because we are going to play it on the show. I think, if I remember correctly, just recently they, they mentioned, I didn't bring it up uh, here, but I think they, fi- they finished recording. Okay, good. I think they did. Yeah. Uh, so we should be probably on the lookout for something coming out very, very soon. Yeah. Um, but they also, um, you know, last time we saw them, they played their cover of uh, Four Horsemen. Yep. Um, they only played original material this time. I cool. think they only got through four tracks or so, um, which, you know, you expect that metal song is typically a little bit longer. Um, so seemingly short set, but for what it was, it was great. So like I'm really... Really liking catching these guys. Cool. Um, so the whole show overall was really cool. Uh, it only lasted, I think the last band, I think Broken Soul ended around 8, 8.05. Oh, wow. Um, and I think they said that they were going to announce whoever the winner was. I didn't stick around long enough, and I haven't seen anything on any of their Facebook pages to indicate who was the one to go on. Right. Um, so if any one of you guys want to tell me, <laughs> send a comment to our Facebook page about who won, maybe. Um, but yeah, and three bands for twenty minutes set for a free show. You can't go wrong there. Yeah, that was, sounds, that sounds was, awesome. That was good. Um, so that's it for my Hard Rock Rising. Let's move on to the New York side of things. And first, we're gonna do Pat and Reese's top ten for the week, which is top ten dick moves in heavy metal. Dick moves. So take it away, guys. <laughs> Hey guys, Pat and Reese here from the Shred Shacks New York crew with another top 10 list. And this time we're not exactly going through a top 10 best. We're going through a top 10 worst. It is the top 10 dick moves in heavy metal history. Now, a dick move is a very broad term, so we have set some criteria. Reese, uh, what exactly constitutes a dick move? All right, a dick move does not have to be related to a crime. Okay. It can be a moment of public offense, a poor lapse in judgment, or simply a stupid, stupid thing that ruins your perception in the eyes of your fans for years to come. But a crime will definitely put you close to the top of the list, right? Oh, yeah. Cri- okay. Cool. Crimes usually are, end up on the yeah, top Yeah, actually, the, the way list. I look at it right now, uh, after a certain point, it is nothing but, like, crime and just being a terrible person and, you know... Uh, Obviously, the term dick move can apply to a lot of people, so there's a lot of people who we left off of this list. Glenn Danzig does not have a spot on this list, which is kind of surprising. Phil Labonte doesn't have a spot on this list. No, he doesn't. Neither does Ted Nugent, because I feel like a lot of those people have done minor things 
that add up to a lifetime of dick movery, but these are like specific moments where you cannot come back from this. Yeah. These are moments that stand out when you talk about the band's history. They're on all these people's Wikipedia pages under their own segment, which means yep. that they were an important part of their lives. So uh, we're going to get this started right now with... Number 10! Number 10 is the most recent on our list, Phil Anselmo. Didn't this just happen like like a month or two ago? Yeah, it did. At uh, Dime Bash 2016, after a performance of the Pantera song Walk, Phil Anselmo got to the front of the stage, threw up a Nazi salute, and then screamed white power at the top of his lungs. And I watched oh. I watched the video for this earlier. It is not in, preempted by anything. It is just done, and then people try to whisk him off stage as quickly as possible. As Why, if, Phil? I don't know. He claims that it was a joke. He said that he was referring to all the white wine they had been drinking that day, and it was like an inside joke. But yeah. a lot, a lot of people ha- who were at the show had come up and just gone like, "He was drinking Rolling Rock." <laughs> like, there's no way. Um, no, no, no. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, lashed out at him for this. Rob Flint, Sebastian Bach, members of All Shall Perish, all confronted him about this. Uh, Rob Flint put out a huge video, like basically derailing him and saying how racism has no part in heavy metal. This and... is why we love Rob. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if this shows anything, it's that, all right, well, you know, Phil Anselmo sucks, but yeah, Machine Head's cool. Yeah. Moving on. Number nine. Oh, this one. I remember this one. <laughs> Axl Rose. Another one that was caught on camera. Yeah. During uh, 1991's Use Your Illusion tour, which had a lot of onstage rants and incidents, Axl was singing uh, Welcome to the Jungle, I think. I think it was Welcome to the Jungle. And he stopped singing and immediately just shouted out at the crowd, Hey, that guy's got a camera. Stop him. And apparently security didn't work fast enough for him. Uh, I, so... think they, I think he gave him like maybe five seconds, and then he just decides, no, screw it, I'll do it myself. And he just jumps out into the crowd. It looked like he was diving head first. It looks like he gave the guy a clothesline. <laughs> and This was actually his audition for the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the royal dick move about, I will have to say about this is, after you know he tackled the guy, he got back on stage, he just like, you know what? I'm going home. Yeah, Dropped the mic, left. Thanks this lame-ass security, I'm going home, and he slammed the mic down. Yeah, the fans weren't too happy about that. They decided to have a little thing called a riot. <laughs> Riots I- are surprisingly not a solitary moment on this no. list. This does come up later, but yeah, there were 2,500 people in the crowd, and all of them decided to uh, go up in arms, and they cost $200,000 in damages to the building. So, yay. Good job. Good job, Jackass. Axel. <laughs> Uh, moving on to another jackass. <laughs> That's probably the easiest way to put this, I guess. <laughs> Number Dave, Dave Mustaine. Not no. the one you're thinking of. No. <laughs> it's not the stuff where he said, like, you know, I'm a Christian, so I hate gay people. It's not the thing where he said uh, African women should just put a plug in it if they don't want to have babies. No. Because that's what a normal person would uh, think. We, we literally just titled this one, Dave Mustaine, The Cause. Yeah. Uh, Megadeth was performing in Ireland in 1988. Uh, the singer was listening to some people in the crowd talking about The Cause, and he decided to get on the fans' good side by playing the song Holy Wars and dedicating it to the cause, whatever the hell that might be. For those who don't know (laughs) what the cause is. You need to read up on the troubles. The cause is supporting the IRA during the Northern Ireland conflict between the Catholic and Protestant communities. Smooth. Do not scream out for the cause and play a song about Holy Wars. (laughs) 
It's a horrible idea. It's almost too ironic of a song choice to be a real story, but no, this actually happened. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So uh, there's our second riot for the day. Number In case you've never listened to the Shred Shack before, I hate Frankie Palmer <laughs> with a fiery passion. Yeah, Pat is uh, not a big fan of Frankie. Though. I'm not a big fan of Frankie. I'm not a big fan of Amure. And uh, in 2012, uh, Frankie, Frankie Amure put out a clothing line called Cold Soul. It was mostly a line of t-shirts and hats, but it had some interesting choices in design, and pretty much all of them were made only for shock value. This is the same band uh, that had shirts out that said, ask your girl what my dick tastes like, but they don't have the name of the band on the shirts, so you know that there are geniuses running this. Yeah, they're real genius on that one. Choice designs from the Cold Soul clothing line included a still from the Columbine High School surveillance tape with the words, shoot first, ask questions last, written on the back. Oh, lovely. And there was another shirt that featured Edward Furlong's character from American History X blowing smoke in the face of his black classmate with the line, violence is a way of life. Uh, there's actually another one that you forgot to mention, Pat. Um, it shows the, the symbol for a Middle Eastern airplane company, and underneath says, I am a national threat. Frankie Palmieri is a dumb motherfucker. There, I said it, and it feels great. Number. Gall. Gonna elaborate on that? Or? Yeah, he's the singer for Gorgoroth. Uh, in 2002, he was at a party. It ended in a verbal disagreement with a 41-year-old man who the the government never really revealed his name or anything. But okay. here's what happened. They blocked him from leaving the party. He was knocked on the back of the head and tortured throughout the night. And at the end of the night, Gaul threatened to sacrifice him by cutting his throat and drinking his blood. This guy knows he's not a vampire, right? Actually, that's the really kind of funny part about a guy who tortured and almost killed a man yeah. uh his mother defended him in court by saying that he couldn't be she couldn't believe that he would be capable of doing this because he's a vegetarian <laughs> your silence speaks volumes sir volumes let's just go on to the next jackass okay number faust not the faust you're thinking of he's the drummer for emperor okay uh well he was, in 1992, he was apparently approached by a gay man outside of Lilyhammer. Mm -hmm. He stabbed him 37 times and then kicked him in the head repeatedly as he laid on the ground. Yeah. He describes that he only did it because he was outside just waiting to get out some aggression. It was meant to happen. That's why he actually places higher than the guy who uh, tortured uh, people and threatened to drink their blood, because his whole defense of everything was just like, eh, kind of just had to happen. Oh, yeah, special nod to Nodvite from the section, who pretty much did the same exact thing. Yeah, I'm sorry to say that there's a pattern here. So, let's move on to something that's a little bit more depressing than that. Oh, great! Number. This son of a <laughs> fucking asshole. Vince Neil. We're talking about Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Uh, in 2010, Vince Neil smashed a fan's camera, and he was arrested on suspicion of drunk driving. He pled guilty to it, but that, before he did that, he stated that the courts were looking to make an example out of him, and they should back off. This was his third or fourth drunk driving This offense. was the man who killed someone in 1984 while drunk driving. He killed uh, the drummer for Hanoi Rocks, the guy named Razzle. And uh, there's actually a line in Airheads where they're trying to describe how rock stars don't go to jail. And one of the guys says, Vince Neil only got 30 days and he killed a guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think he got 30 days. He got 15. He was let off with good behavior. Vince Neil, you're a, you're a stone-cold good guy. Keep it up. 
And in the off chance you don't understand sarcasm, stop. For the love of God, stop. Uh, I was going to say we're getting to some worse people. Oh, my God, we are. Yes. These dick moves are turning into horrifying moves, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they really are. Here we go. Number three. Tim Lambasis. It's been a long time coming for this guy. Yep. 2013, the singer for As I Lay Dying and Austrian Death Machine was arrested for attempting to hire a hitman to kill his estranged wife. He had organized to have his kids away from her while she was murdered. Unfortunately, the person who he confided in to do the job, including paying and getting all the details to, was an undercover cop. I'm sad, because I was a big fan of his, too. I really liked As I Lay Dying. I really liked Austrian Death Machine, and I haven't listened to him since. Uh, the occasional song that show up on my, on my playlist. Yeah. Occasionally, when my iTunes goes to shuffle and plays The Darkest Nights, I get really sad for a moment, yeah. and then I realize, I, I, I go like, oh, I had a lot of good times listening to it. Wait a minute. The, I will say the probably the best thing about what happened, though, is the best. no one got hurt. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. He, he went right to jail. That's probably the You know why nobody got worst. hurt? Because he confessed his crime to an undercover cop while he was trying to yeah. set it up. So it's, oh. it's definitely, I will say he's probably the... I'm not saying he's the best one on this list, but he's the one who didn't get away with anything. Yeah, speaking of that. Number. Really? Ian Watkins from Lost Prophets. This is treading the line for rock and metal, oh, but goddammit, we got to include this because this is the most yeah. disgusting thing ever. Now, for those of you who don't listen to Lost Prophets and haven't for a while, there's a reason why they haven't put out albums. It's because the singer Ian Watkins in 2012, uh, and he was also in the hardcore band Public Disturbance, he was arrested and charged with conspiracy to engage in a sexual activity with a child under the age of 13. Which Ch sounds bad. Uh, it gets a lot worse. The child was one. My thing that I never understood about this was he was arrested for conspiracy to engage. That means that this was like an ongoing plan yeah. that he had had yeah, with this several wasn't people. just like, you know, a spur of the moment thing. Yeah. He also had a collection of child and animal porn in his house, so there's really no way that he wasn't guilty of this. I'm sure he's having some fun in jail. I have no idea. I haven't looked up, but... Well, you know what they do to, you know, child molesters in jail, right? Give them ice cream? No. It's been a while since I've watched Lockdown, so... <laughs> All right. Pretty so who could possibly be worse than Ian Watkins? Oh, I think I have an idea. I think you do. Number... Varg Vikernis! Hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, where do we start with this guy? Let's start in 92. 92, Varg Vikernis was charged with several crimes for his, through his involvement in church burnings throughout Norway. 93, stabbed... Euronymous. Thank you. The guitarist for Mayhem. 23, 23 times. times. Sent to 21 years in prison. Number uh, three on his big list of things. While he was on short leave from prison, for whatever reason, I still don't know why he was on leave from prison, he hijacked a car at gunpoint, tried to sneak out of the country with a car full of knives and gas masks. Good and for him. And recently created an RPG where your characters would gain more experience and power if you choose one of pure Aryan blood. That is not a joke. That, that is, is a not thing a joke. that happened. Varg wrote like several RPGs while he was in prison, one of which he turned into a video game, which you can buy, which your characters level up easier if they are of pure blood. It's a game that promotes white supremacy. This is a thing that happened. Fuck you, Varg Vikernis. 
Fuck you, Varg, for Curtis. And that's our list for the top ten dick moves in heavy metal. If we left any out, good. <laughs> this went from being dick moves to pure racial pure un- of shit. Pure, this went from being dick moves to just pure unadulterated hatred. Notice that none of the things on the list here were done by people to metal artists. No, these were the metal artists. These were artists. the metal artists themselves who committed these, because we've got a list next week. It'll be the top ten worst moments in heavy metal history. So it'll be tragedies of heavy metal. It'll be times where heavy metal was put on trial. It'll be just really bad moments that reflect poorly on heavy metal throughout its long history. I think I already know what's number one on that list. Well, we got uh, we got a couple of pretty big contenders <laughs> for number one. That's true. So uh, thank you guys for listening. We're going to throw it back to Texas here. And uh, I'm going to continue to uh, flip off every picture of Varg Vikernis that I see. I'm going to go wash myself from all this disgust. Take two showers. Next up is the new segment, Brutal Tube, from Pat and Reese back in the New York side. Take it away, guys. Hey, guys, Pat and Reese here from the Shred Shacks New York crew with the segment that we call Brutal Tube. Basically, we scour the internets and we find the nerdiest, most creative, or the most downright hilarious bits of metal-related media that we can find streaming for all to see. And uh, it's my turn this week, isn't it? Yeah, it is your turn. All so right. what dastardly, devilish thing <laughs> have you found to confuse the hell out of me with? It's called Wax Audio. It's a... Uh, wax? Wax Audio. Audio. Yeah. Um, as in, like, Kendall Wax. Yes. But with audio. You're really focusing way too much on the name here as opposed to what it actually is. Right. Wax Audio is a uh, a DJ who who mashes up certain songs together. He's never doing a lot of political stuff, but the, th- the stuff that he's most popular for are his mashups of songs that should not go together very well, but for some reason do. Uh, you probably know him as the guy who mashed together ACDC's Thunderstruck with the Ghostbusters theme. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that's Wax Audio. Oh, okay, it's uh, that guy. He also did uh, Lady Gaga mixed with Judas Priest. He did a song that mashes up Led Zeppelin's Whole lot of Love with uh, War Pigs in a way that you probably don't really know why they just didn't mash them together in the first place. Wait, is this the guy that also did the, I think it was Behemoth? Thing? No, 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 no. Oh, no. That's a guy for another week. That's a different story. This guy has been around for years. I actually remember hearing about him back when I started working at this job in 2010. And uh, I remember specifically they he had done a lot of stuff with Iron Maiden, like he mashed up Iron Maiden with uh, Relax. And one of my personal favorites is he mixed up with, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, The Dictator. Uh, the song that starts in the beginning, that uh, that like very like famous like India. Okay. It's a song by a Punjabi MC, and they decided to mash up that song with Four Horsemen. There's no reason why this should work as well as it does, but it really does, and I can't believe it. You can check out Wax Audio at his website where you can download his full discography, or you can go to his YouTube page that I think was just recently reopened. It's Wax Audio, so just look for that. This is Metallica Goes to Punjab on the Shred Shack's Brutal Tube for this week. If you guys got suggestions for us, please let us know. Facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. For right now, enjoy this amazing mashup. Look back at a killer. Leave me up to put the 
All right, now uh, we don't have a discussion for the week, but we're going to end things off with a nice, well-rounded social media highlight segment. Uh, Chris, you're going to start us off. All right, so I got two for this week. The first one up is a band called Stone King. When you fall down They are Stoner Hard Rock Grunge Band from Kent, uh, United Kingdom. They got some big fuzzy guitars, some gruff vocals, and lots of melody. Really catchy stuff. Their influences include Monster Magnet, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Down. Um, vocalist Greg Stageman sounds like someone I, I just can't put my finger on it, but it is so good. And it's so late 90s retro. It's fucking great. I love it. It's all the best parts of the grunge movement without the unwarranted moodiness. Like it just seems like they're having a lot of fun recording some really good tunes. Guitar riffs are very Stone Temple Pilots with a mix of like Collective Soul and it has like the, the vibe and the sound of like Down and Alice in Chains all blended together to make like a nostalgic slap across the face. It reminds me very much of the music I listened to in my early teens that got kind of got me into the heavier stuff later on. Um, we received their new uh, album which is going to be released uh, very soon. Didn't they say July or something July like that? 27th. Alright, so we'll be reviewing that in full um, later on. But yeah. in the meantime, you can catch their Reset EP, which is available at stonekings.bandcamp.com. You can also check them out on Facebook at stone uh, facebook.com slash stonekingsmusic and Twitter at stonekingsmusic. I'm just going to say, I, I send a message um, to um, Gav, the guy who's been talking to us from the band, who sent us the new album. Um when I got the when I got the new album from him, I just listened to one of the tracks just to make sure everything was good as far as like no corrupt files and anything like that. I listened to one track called "Far Out." I believe that's the title of the song. Yes, "Far Out." And man, is it good? It's good. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting a full on listen to this. Um, I told them like when it gets closer to the time of the release, we're gonna review it. Yeah. Um, just because I figured that'd be a, a better idea, although we may just jump the show and be like, "It's so fucking good." <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, just wave your arms up in the air like that? that yeah, was... I did. I was like, I was the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is coming out July twenty seventh. Um, I said we're probably gonna have the review probably the following week, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to a full listen of it. Pete, go. All right, so I think Pete, last shut the fuck week, up. God damn it. Right. <laughs> I think last week, Chris, you had made a quick mention of this band that I brought up called Sojourner with their debut album, Empires of Ash. Be 
is epic atmospheric black metal out of New Zealand. And the way I described it, I think you may have read oh, this. Oh, I mean, I read okay. it word for word. Lord of the, if the Lord of the Rings adventuring party decided to play black metal instead of saving the world, you'd get this album. Lots of orchestral fanfare, copious amounts of pan, piano flourish and pan flutes. Um, I'm immediately reminded of several bands uh, by this style of music, but I guess they're probably most similar to an epic black metal band called Caledon Brood. Uh, they have a similar sort of fantasy style theme mixed with pagan motifs. But where that, where Calvin Brood's album was recorded on some of a low budget, Sojourner's Empires of Ash is produced in a way that captures every element of like of the sound perfectly. So just a, I'm just gonna do a quick track by track kind of analysis. I've listened to this quite a bit uh, since uh, last week. Uh, I really really enjoyed this album a lot. So seven tracks. Track one, Bound by Blood. I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about Agaloc, how they how they're like breaking up. Mm-hmm. This track in particular kind of reminds me of their sort of pagan sound. Although describing the sound of this track as light would be kind of doing an injustice, as there are some excellent thundering drums here. There's a certain airy quality to it that kind of reminds me of like a kind of a track that has a sense of tragic heroism to it. Very similar to, say, an Amona Marth-type ballad, where, like, the Viking hero dies in the sea or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of track. Track two is Heritage of the Natural Realm. This is where those pianos and the pan flutes make their debut. Um, I can't really tell at that point if the flutes are done through a synthesizer. It actually sounds like someone's actually playing a flute. Regardless, the melodies are distinctly Shire-esque. We hear those post-metal guitar interludes. Um, where dual guitars are being picked through a spacey sort of filter that complements the pagan naturalism of the flutes and pianos. Track three is Eons of Valor. It's a little bit more death metal-y, uh, very much a traditional a mellow death song, definitely getting a sense of uh, dark tranquility and insomnium on this one. And then track four is The Pale Host, which we uh, talked about right before the show. Um, we were just trying to verify if this was something related to The Lord of the Rings at all. It turns out it might be related to some kind of LARP campaign, not really sure, but either way, this is probably my favorite uh, track on the album. It opens up with a, uh, a woman with a very beautiful, dare I say, elfin voice singing a tavern song over a single synth note and flute. Um, it continues over the strumming of an acoustic guitar and a simple piano passage. And I mean, like, if you don't believe that this is Lord of the Rings inspired, I defy you to listen to this song and not be immediately taken away to Middle Earth or something. Well, they are from New Zealand. I mean, they're... they're <laughs> I mean, that's where everything took place. They practically live in the fucking Shire. Yeah. Um, this is the track that I would recommend everyone start with. Track 5, Homeward, actually reminds me a little bit of the movie Legend, uh, with its sort of 80s synth sound in the beginning, but it immediately gives way to an epic black metal sound. Track 6 is Trails of the Earth, and it's again more of death metal very similar to track 3, except with way more pan flute interludes. And finally, track 7 is the title track, uh, opens with an awesome piano intro uh, into a great black metal riff. Basically, this track showcases everything that was displayed in the previous six tracks. It features all the instrumentals and vocal work that brought this album together. 
and it's a fitting close to an awesome debut album. I'd say if you want to get um, immediately hooked by this album, I'd recommend starting with track four, then playing this track. Uh, there's no way you won't get sucked in uh, by this type of melodic pagan black metal. You can check out Sojourner on their Bandcamp page at sojournermetal.bandcamp.com and also on Facebook at facebook.com slash metalsojourner. You were mentioning uh, how it sounds like something out of legend. I was like, if you have Tim Curry in there, I'm sold. No, there's no, <laughs> there's no um, narration or anything like that, oh, man. unfortunately. We need a metal cover of Toxic Love from Fern Gully. Can someone, can, can someone make that happen, please? Oh, that's great. All right, Chris, you got number two. I got number two. I got a band here called The Offering. sent the track by by them actually to uh, the Facebook page uh, they are a blend of old school metal with a new flavor that's just extremely impressive uh, their influences include Death Judas Priest Marilyn Manson Black Sabbath At the Gates In Flames Death Clock and Dream Theater uh, the track we were sent was called Rat King is from their upcoming new album and if this is any indication of what the rest of the album sounds like I am in 1000% it's incredible. It's impossible to get more than 100%. Shut Man, up. I knew. Stop <laughs> it. Fucking Simpsons quote. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Like, uh, the music has elements of thrash, prog, death, and traditional heavy metals, um, and the combination is absolutely astounding. The guitar work is technical and heavy, with lightning fast solos, and some serious riffage. If you're interested in seeing what these guys look like when they're playing, uh, check out some of their playthroughs of the solos on their YouTube page. It's actually really good. Uh, but it's vocalist Alexander Weiss that steals the show with this incredible range of low growls to air raid siren wail with the occasional death metal grunt thrown in. I feel this is what's going to really set this band apart. Uh, it's their, His vocal range is really, really awesome. Um, but you can check them out at facebook.com slash theofferingmusic, Instagram at theofferingbandofficial, Twitter at tofferingmusic, and check out their YouTube page, youtube.com slash theofferingbandofficial. All right. Last one is mine, and it is from a band or a project named Penna, named after uh, main man David Penna. Reach below, pull me down. We submerge, kill us Project based in New York. Um, we actually we getting a lot of stuff from New York lately. Obviously, we're still technically half based in New York, but it's like it's a lot more stuff coming from that direction. Um, described in the press release info from uh, Penn himself as morose metal slash alternative artists. Uh, pretty on the nose right there. Um, to go quickly into uh, a little bit about Dave Penn. Apparently, he. Um, Started back as early as the uh, as early early 90s, he was in a drummer for a thrash metal outfit by the name Cronin. 
Um, since then, he's played uh, his hand in a bunch of different groups, either as a primary member or a contributing artist. Uh, he also recorded a solo album prior to this one, which was all electronica. Um, and he's also featured himself or his music um, in movies, television, and promotional educa educational material for Korg, who does a lot of stuff with keyboards. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's he's got a resume. <laughs> Just a little bit. He got he got a padded resume, uh, but this time around he decided to go around and do um, just an EP for um, a little bit more on the progressive side of of uh, metal, a little bit softer side of things. Um, the he released an EP called Chemical God, um, and he wrote recorded everything himself for it. Um, I know when. You and I have been talking about this previously. You were a little bit iffy about his vocal work. Yeah. Um, I will say that the first track, Ghost, is a little rough all around. Because like, I'm not as keen on, on the track as an opening track, but everything thereafter gets significantly better. It goes into this um, kind of King's X, Spock's Beard, like... Um, moodier side of Flower Kings, like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that kind of softer, progressive side. That's a little bit more ethereal um, than you know, in your face throwing notes at you. Um, and again, vocally, it does get better. Um, best track on the album, I believe, is track four. Which let me see what that one is. It's called Change because of the fact that it does go through that kind of um, softer, somber sound and then gets really heavy really quick. <laughs> When you see the sun open up the sky When you take a step and you don't ask why Great listen overall, kind of kind of generally relaxing and everything. Um, so even in the heavy parts, it doesn't come out of nowhere and offset the mood of it all. It's it all kind of fits together, um, and it's a really really good release. So again, the one track in particular I wasn't keen on, but everything else kind of fits together very nicely. Um, and I'm interested in seeing where else he plans to go with this, because again, he's well-rounded enough of a musician to see that if he's going to continue doing something like this um, and explore more of those um, this kind of softer prog roots. Uh, if you want to check out the uh, project, you can go to facebook.com slash penamusic. Uh, you can check out the Chemical God EP on penamusic.bandcamp.com or check out his website where you can find out information about the guy, where he's been, um, and whatever projects he's done, uh, www.davidpenna.com. And seriously, awesome. you should take another listen to it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Just, just, yeah. And that is it for social media highlight, and that is actually it for the show this week, because I have to go celebrate my anniversary. Oh, that and uh, Warrior Needs Food Badly. Warrior Needs Food Badly. Yeah, the eggs have worn off. Yeah. So subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash adamantstemplum, for more Shred Shack-related content, including interviews, editorials, concert reviews, and the like. Pretty soon, there will be Lego Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Pete, Dude, when, when, you gotta, you got to be there for one of these. Uh, I, I, actually, I was going to yeah. say, you, you're going to miss next week, probably. Yeah, I'm actually going to be in New, New York. York uh, for um, next week. 
Uh, it's in New York. The, the weekend that we record the top three, which is going to be Father's Day weekend, where my kids are not going to be in town, <laughs> we can sit there and play all day. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like the best Father's Day weekend ever. <laughs> Do that, yeah. Sounds good. But pretty soon, Lego Lord of the Rings. Oh, my gosh. As I, as I work on editing it. Oh, fucking um, brutal. But speaking of that, um, you can find my video game Let's Play series, Recreational Warfare, which boasts over X number of episodes across X number of games from various areas of gaming. There's just shit up there. Go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> For more after the minute updates and news from yours truly, follow my Twitter account at username NobisRedemptor. All right, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at UpTheIron3314 for my adventures in fitness, nerd stuff, and this particular show. Uh, for new fitness and nutrition coaching, uh, check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash uptheiron3314. If you're in the San Antonio area, you can contact me there for one-on-one personal training. Or I do have a weekend uh, summer boot camp every Saturday morning at 8.30 in the morning at Skates Park in Ter- uh, Terrell Heights. Um, other than that, you can just become my friend on Facebook. My name is Chris McDonald, and you can just follow me for everything there. <laughs> my name is Chris McDonald. Ding! <laughs> T-Shine T-Shine, yeah <laughs> Nice Alright And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram At Abyssal Sun Hopefully uh, we'll be able to catch uh, some new shows And I'll get to post more stuff on there You didn't get to get any uh, photos from I, you know, Too far away? I was too far away I didn't take my camera I didn't gotcha. want to risk it So unfortunately I don't have any really good yeah, photos I, was, uh, I figured the AT&T Center would probably ban you from keeping a camera a Yeah, camera. even if they let me in I mean it would just been that crowd is like pretty unruly. Yeah, so. I wouldn't want to carry that kind of yeah, camera yeah. around on that show. Yeah, once once Hatebreed starts playing Destroy Everything, you're like, not my camera! Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd have one picture of that Mexican dude in the cape and that'd be it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be worth it, though. <laughs> that. Did he look like, um, what was it? El Macho? Was the, guy, the bad guy from Despicable Me 2. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> is that what he looked oh like? Oh my god, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> just say yes he did <laughs> yes uh, el macho he died in the most macho way possible <laughs> riding a shark with a thousand dynamite shot to his chest <laughs> into a volcano if you're hearing this I will assume you found the means of subscribing to us on iTunes uh, otherwise you can listen to us on our Mixcloud page mixcloud.com slash the shred check which is also where you can listen to recordings of the shred check weekly live radio show speaking of that live show tune into Pat and Reese every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for two hours of heavy metal music and banter that is not our banter it is banter that is more spaced out because there's music involved lucky them yeah I know right Hey, we, we talk a lot. You can find the link to the weekly show as well as any and all Shred Shack related updates on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. Un- what, what are you laughing at? Shredshack.com slash the Facebook. <laughs> I told you I'm going to make that an actual page. Whenever I get a Shredshack.com, there's going to be a slash Facebook. <laughs> and it's going to be like the picture of a clown. Until next time, I'm Dan Mack. This is Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. Reminding you that we are the Slashers.